Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. My heart is missing listening to her saying nearly crying because she's such a little cutie. I've gone through at the home of representative that are inside and after the hall, so yeah. they can't get the answers. How are the people going to get the answers? They know how hard I work, and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion mine with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Yes, I said to you yesterday, I'm following the uh, fortunes of particularly our two Cork lads in the qualifiers for that world snooker. Young Aaron Hill doing well. 5 2 up overnight. Was it 5 2? That's a long ass game, though. Best of 19 frames. First to 10 goes through. That's a tough one today for young Mr. Bullman from East Cork. Barry Pinches is a very experienced old school player and has been here done that worn the t-shirt so our thoughts are with and best of luck to uh, young Mr. Bullman today good morning to you 0818 96 96 96 the number text or whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 the email is opinion at 96fm.ie I'll come back to the issue of homelessness later but just throwing something out there Maybe a bit of devil's advocacy, maybe a bit of mischief on my part, I don't know. But that motion that was supposed to come before council last night that got turned down before it even got discussed or debated. And look, I'm happy to take your thoughts on this at 0818969696. But I, I wonder, and I'll talk to Maria a bit later on in the morning about her situation, but I'm wondering what... An hour and a half or two hours of councillors roaring at one another across the chamber would have done for Maria last night. Um, call me a cynic if you will, but I've been saying from the very start of this, politicians going to politic. And I'm just wondering what an hour and a half or two hours of them shouting and screaming at one another across the, the chambers of the City Hall would have done for Maria. But that I will get to later. Also, sleep and dreams have taken up a lot of our conversation in the last few days. <laughs> Are you one of these parents who is diseased from lack of sleep because your children arrive into you in the middle of the night? They start wandering around the house and they might go to the fridge looking for sweeties or maybe go whatever. They just get up in the middle of the night and they wander around. Some of them want to get into you to the bed. 
Is there some way that you can make your smallies go to bed at night and flipping stay there so that you too get a night's sleep? Now, I've, I've looked, I've checked this and I know times have changed. I know that, unfortunately... Uh, duct tape and 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 cable ties could land you in trouble. So that's not an option. Um, but if you're diseased from sleep because of your children coming into you during the night, what, if anything, can you do? All that is to come. But first of all, we could all be addicts. I took a checklist this morning, um, and I'll read it out in more detail to you later. But I took a checklist. A frightening number of us could easily be addicted to our smartphones and to our social media. It is a new recognised form of addiction, a very serious form of addiction. It is addiction to internet and technology. There's a couple of different checklists. Um, smartphones, I'm going through a list of 10 or 11 things here and I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. Now the excuse I'm using is, and I'll give you the list later, the excuse I'm using is, well, my phone is my office. And that kind of is making me a little bit biased, but yeah. But there's now an international organisation. They don't yet have a branch in Ireland, but I imagine it's only a matter of time before they do. They do have two branches in the UK, one in London and one in Oxford, uh, where they meet uh, frequently enough. And they're in many other parts of the world, including the United States, where they were set up. They are ITAA, Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous. And they come together in meetings like other addiction groups like gamblers and alcoholics and narcotics and and all of that. I'm joined by Paul, who is a successful member of ITAA and has been clean, so to speak, for a number of years. Paul, he joins us from the States. Paul... We'd all have recognised that you can become addicted to alcohol. We'd all have recognised you can become addicted to something like cocaine or ecstasy or heroin or whatever it might be. We all recognise you could become addicted to gambling. Did you ever think, though, before it happened to you, Paul, that you could become helplessly and hopelessly addicted to all your screens? Good morning. Good morning. I I really wasn't. You know, I got uh, the message about drug and alcohol addiction, and uh, I steered clear of those. Uh, I tried to make healthy decisions, and it was a surprise to find out in my twenties that <laughs> I was uh, had a terrible addiction to the internet, uh, to the screen, and yeah, that you know, in a way, I am a drug addict if uh, you think about the drug as dopamine. So I think it was a big shock to me to think of myself with that label. Yeah, science now understands that dopamine is as addictive in some ways to some people as alcohol is to others. Talk to me about your, your youth, as it were, Paul. We all start to use screens at some point in our life. At what point did it become a compulsion for you? So I remember... When I was young, screens were always very compelling and uh, felt like they opened a, a kind of a door to another another world. Um, and uh, I remember being very young and 
hiding in the bathroom or in my staying up late at night to play on my, my handheld devices. We got the internet when I was around 10, 11, and it was uh, just really uh, magical to me. What did you know? I'm, uh, I'm 30 now. You would be what we call a digital native, so you, you had screens as a child, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I grew up with, with screens, and uh, we weren't allowed to have video games in our home, but I loved going to the friends who had video games in their homes. And uh, I started when I was in middle school. My family would go to sleep, and I would wait until they'd all fallen asleep so that I could uh, head back downstairs and get onto the computer until late at night. And this really started this pattern of uh, procrastination, fear, avoidance, using the screen, um, you know, not doing my homework, uh, faking sick from school, and all of this happening in secret, eating into my sleeping uh, hours. And it just got worse uh, over time. I remember being confused by that because in every other aspect of my life, I was becoming more capable, more mature, um, uh, accomplishing more things. And in this, uh, I kind of expected myself to grow out of it. And it just uh, kept getting worse. The alcoholic is overpowered by drink. The drug addict is overpowered by their drug of choice. The gambling addict, etc., etc. Were you overpowered by your screens, Paul? Like, did it matter what was on the screen? I remember the first time I thought I might have an addiction was in the middle of a multi-day binge. Uh, I hadn't slept for days. And I was watching things I didn't want to be watching. I didn't enjoy the videos that were on the screen. And I was saying to myself in my head, please stop. Uh, I was so tired and uh, just had no enjoyment of what was going on. And I was saying, please, please stop. And I was watching, I would watch my hand click on the next video. And I felt terrified. Um, and uh, I definitely felt uh, totally powerless. And it could be anything. And it wasn't always these dramatic binges. Sometimes it was just, you know, s stealing a couple minutes or an hour in the day. But it could be videos, movies, video games, porn, social media, news, uh, online research. Uh, really, uh, I would just kind of uh, take what I could from whatever the activity was. And once it stopped uh, holding my attention or giving me that sense of ease and comfort, I would start searching for whatever the next hit might be. And you could do this for hours or days on end until you literally passed out with the controls in your hand. That's right. Yeah, I, um, I would kind of lay down in the bed and put the laptop or the phone next to me and I would, I would pass out. Um, and I still, when I, you know, when I finally got into, uh, into recovery, I still felt so embarrassed about thinking about this like an addiction. But, you know, if someone told me that they had to have a drink uh, every day, and every couple of weeks they would black out from drinking so much, I would not hesitate at all to say that they were an alcoholic. 
And that's what I was like. Did, did, did your addiction affect life and family and work and things like that? It did. Uh, and it was hard to recognize in the moment because on the outside, I was a high performer. You know, uh, I was doing very well on my studies and my career. Um, no one knew that I had this pattern. It was very secret. It happened at night and uh, or on the weekends. Uh, but it, it did, uh, affect me. Uh, I lost at least one job, um, because I'd been up until late, late in the night. Uh, I lost uh, a couple relationships as well. Uh, I told my, you know, my girlfriends that I was, I was just working really hard, but, uh, but there was this other part of the story too. It was really a shell. And, um, by the kind of deepest points of my addiction i i couldn't stop thinking about killing myself oh dear and, uh, i told myself if you do this again i will kill you i would go out to bridges in the middle of the night stand there i had an internet and technology solution to all of this trauma unprocessed uh emotions that i wasn't really well equipped to deal with and what the internet gave me was the opportunity to just pause life, just take a break. And uh, I always needed more and more of that. And the kind of ultimate conclusion of that path is, is death. So how did you discover? I found a, a small, a related uh, fellowship for gaming. I haven't played a game since my first meeting uh, of that fellowship, which is miraculous. Yes. But I I knew that my problem was bigger than that. Uh, there were some other uh, members from that fellowship who um, were also starting to look at their their general uh, internet and technology addiction, and uh, started having meetings for yeah for what would become ITAA. And uh, so I got involved, and and it's been life changing. It's the exact exact same model uh, which has yeah been applied to many addictive uh, substances i've been very humbled by how powerful it's been so how are you now my last online binge was november 2017 okay and i've been you know completely free from the addictive behaviors uh, that characterize there's a process of discovery of what is it really that sets off that that process of addiction? And mm. today, uh, I I pretty much only use technology as a tool. Uh, we're talking on you know over uh, uh, a WhatsApp call right now. So that's an internet connection, like yeah, exactly. How do you control within yourself? I need to use a screen for work. I need to use a screen, but I can't get involved in the addiction again. It wasn't obvious and it took it took time. And the most important part is that I didn't do it myself. Mm. Uh, I did it with others who also have this addiction. Another analogy could be to those who have an addiction to food. Yeah. Where the goal is not to stop eating, but to develop uh, more clarity around what in these behaviors um, sets off that that addictive cycle yeah. and what is the kind of healthy life-giving way of relating to these 
I have no doubt in my mind that there are listeners worried about their their kids, their teenagers. There are listeners possibly worried about themselves. What might be the danger signs? Some of the signs on our, our website, a set of questions that you can use to prompt whether this addiction or this compulsion might might apply to you or to a loved one include trying to set limits around our use and, and breaking them, using longer than intended, hiding or lying about the kinds of content we're using or how long we're, we're using for, using to change our emotions. I have that list in front of me, Paul. It might be illustrative to, to quote one or two of the questions, like, do I ever go online to quickly check something and then discover that many hours have passed do i have internet or technology binges that last all day or late into the night do i hide or lie about my time online or do i feel guilt and shame about my internet and technology use there are 10 questions about how many of those would you have to answer yes to before you realize you have a problem or before you think a loved one has a problem if you're answering yes to more than a couple, so say three or more, then it might be worth uh, looking looking at. For context, I can look at that list and say yes to all 10. What's important is uh, today, uh, I don't have to answer yes to any of those questions. And no one should have to suffer uh, in any degree because of their uh, internet and technology use. And that it's possible to uh, have a, a, a life-giving and positive relationship with both our devices and, and ourselves. No. Um, and so uh, what we often encourage is that if you think you might have uh, a problem uh, or you know someone who might have a problem, uh, we have uh, meetings um, both online and in person around the world where anyone who thinks they may have a problem can join. That's one of the most helpful steps to take is to just join a couple meetings and see, do I resonate with what other people are, are saying? Because I was about to ask you that, like, I'm not too sure, do you know? You're talking to us now from the United States and appreciate you taking our call. You, you don't know if ITAA operates in Ireland, but even if it doesn't, one can catch up online. That's right. And uh, some may see it as ironic that, you know, we have online meetings to um, help recover from Yeah, that wasn't lost on me, Paul. (laughs) But, you know, it's like eating healthy vegetables. These are Zoom meetings where in a group setting, people are uh, sharing what is going on for them and listening to each other compassionately, non-judgmentally. When you sat in to your first meeting, how did it feel when you were trying to take your control back? I was terrified. I was whispering. Uh, I was dialing in and I was afraid someone would hear me through the walls of my apartment. And for many years, I had thought that I was there was something really wrong with me and that I was alone. You know, I'd looked for something for years and found nothing. And I would just think, oh man, I'm, I'm so messed up. To discover that there are many people, uh, millions around the world who are also struggling with this and that 
uh, I'm not alone, and that there's also um, many people who are getting better, and that I can I can learn from them and take similar steps. Um, it's been very very powerful as someone who uh, used to really operate on a kind of self-reliance, isolation, you know, hide and figure things out on my own. Uh, to come into a community who understand how severe and painful this can be um, has been very empowering. Well, it's been a most enlightening conversation, Paul. The website is internetaddictsanonymous.org. That's right. All right. And continued success in your recovery. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, PJ. You're welcome. And well done on staying clear of it for as long as you have. It must be really hard to be addicted to something that you also kind of have to have in your life. Like food being another addiction. You have to eat. Like you don't have to drink. So when you are in recovery from alcohol, well, you don't drink. But we have to eat. And similarly, our lives are about screens now. And I'd say particularly about phones, which is how I wanted to throw this out to you. I gave you some of the 10 key questions that ITAA asks but then it breaks it down into specific things like smartphones. So we've all got these things in our hands, in our pockets, constantly, like 24-7. If they're not plugged in, charging in full sight, we're using them for something. We're taking pictures with them. We're doing all sorts of things. That, In fact, probably one of the last things you ever do with them is talk on the phone. Could you be addicted to your phone? Here's a few things I want you to think about. We're going to break away from this in a sec, but I'll come back to it if you want to. Like, take your your phone out of your pocket now and have a look at it. Put it up on the table. Do you check it first thing in the morning or last thing at night? In my case, it's my alarm clock. So, so yeah. Uh, Do you go to sleep with it next to you like a partner? Yes, I do, actually, because it's on my bedside locker. It's my clock, it's my alarm, it's my radio. Do you grab it the second you hear a notification or something? Yes, the ping, the buzz, the vibrate, whatever. Well, you know it's there. Like I was doing something last evening around house and I couldn't focus on my phone and I could feel it. I felt it buzzing in my pocket. I kind of knew it might be Fergal trying to contact me about something. But it was a few minutes before I could get to it. And was there a sense of, what's this about? Yes. Like, if you, no, if you come out of the house and forget your phone or your headphones, but particularly your phone, I always have earbuds in my pocket. But if you come out of the house and forget your phone, do you start to go, what am I missing? That's just the first three or four of them. Uh, do you find yourself unconsciously reaching for it, patting pockets for it? That's another one. Uh, do you do if you're if you're sitting in a group of people, and the conversation is one that you mightn't be a hundred percent invested in? Do you take your phone out and start scrolling? There's other ones like Have you ever had sore joints from excessive use of your phone? Have a think about it. Be honest with me. Could you possibly be addicted to your phone? I was talking about this with Emer earlier in the morning because like you we're we're attached to the damn things surgically attached to the bloody things thing is it's our office like i can remember 10 years ago uh, i didn't have i had a phone obviously but 10 years ago i had a case like a a, a briefcase or a attache case that went everywhere with me 
And inside that was my recorder, my laptop, my editing gear, whatever. It was all in there. Notebook, the whole thing was all in there. Now I don't need it. If I meet someone in the street, I need to do an interview with them. I can hit the phone and then, literally, I can inter- I can meet you outside 96FM now and interview you and t- tap a few buttons and it's up here on the computer ready to be edited and played before I'm upstairs. So it's all become down into one. But are we all addicted? We're using two... Like, Put here's a challenge. If I if I said to you now, put your phone away, put it into a drawer, lock the drawer, give the key to oh I don't know your next door neighbour, your mother, your father. When would you say, give me the key? Give me the key. How long would you last? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Kit says China seems to be the only place aware of this. I notice it myself when you see someone coming towards you, their faces inside in the screen. Yes, yeah, yes. And it's getting bad. I can see people going to residential care for this down the road. It'll be a very big problem. Your thoughts are welcome. 0818 Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie I did mention this at the started the programme, this meeting that was supposed to be held last night, an emergency meeting to discuss options for tenants in the wake of the lifting of the eviction ban. Sinn Féin had put in for it, they satisfied the criteria for having an emergency meeting called. The The plan was to discuss a motion that the City Council would move to extend the eviction ban. That debate never got to be had. Um, it they voted 13, the council voted 13-12 against discussing the, the motion and the meeting broke up after after half an hour. I did make the point just after nine, well if they had stood there and shouted at each other for an hour and a half or two hours, would it have housed one additional person or would it have prevented one additional person from being evicted and I can't honestly answer that question, yes or no maybe I'm getting a bit too cynical in my old age, but uh, there was a young mother uh, there, Maria Brady. Now, Maria, w- you and I came across each other before when your daughter, uh, or your sister, rather, uh, Louise, um, performed brilliantly at the MMA Championships, the Youth World Championships in Abu Dhabi recently. That's where we came across each other before. But talk to me now about your circumstances, Maria. You're you're facing eviction, I take it. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, yeah, next Saturday we have to be out. Okay, okay. Um, we don't know where we're going. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting on AP- APS to contact me. Right. Um, they told me last Friday they won't deal with me until the 15th. Yeah, that's, that's the scourge of it. Like, that's the scourge of it. You can't go yeah. down. You can't prepare for it with them. You can't go down and they can't help you. They won't help you prepare for it. Then yeah. you arrive down with your bag and baggage and they look at you. Yeah, like I have a four-year-old daughter. I had to sit down last week and tell her that we were losing our home. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. 
And can I ask, Maria, have you been in to have the eviction notice checked? Because there was yeah. a fascinating statistic there. Was it from Threshold, I think? They said over a third of them are not made out properly. Yeah, and so the valid. first one they sent me um, was not made out properly. And they, like, Threshold told me, say nothing. And then in January, when they come to you, I'll contact them. But they had realised in the meantime that it was incorrect and they'd sent me the correct one. Mm. How long have you been renting? I'm in the house three years. Three years. And they served you the notice when? In October. Okay. And what have they said of the reasons? They're selling the property. Okay. Yeah. The house is actually sale agreed. I see. Mm-hmm. So, like, even options for overholding aren't there. Would would you if the option was there? Um, yeah, if I've nowhere to go with my child. Mm-hmm. So you're due to be out Easter Saturday, which is the eighth of April. No, the following Saturday. The following 15th. Saturday, yeah, fifteenth of April. Yeah, yeah. So you'll have to be out that day. Um, APS, the homeless office. I, I've been saying this for years and none of the councillors and no TDs have ever told me why this is. They won't even deal with you while you still have a place to lay your head tonight. Yeah. It's like what's breaking my heart is my child is asking me where's our new home and I can't tell her. I know. That's the hardest part. I know. Like no four-year-old should have to go through this. No, they shouldn't. And I had to tell her because she was noticing me packing. Now, all along, like I was dumping things and she wasn't noticing, but it's getting really close. There's boxes everywhere. Everything in this house is mine. This house was unfurnished when I moved in. I see. I don't even have anywhere to store myself. And where are you going to put it? The dump. I've nowhere else to put it. Oh, God. Have you no know, family member, friend... Yeah, but you'll see, like, they'll take boxes and they'll store small things. There's nobody going to take beds and couches and TVs. Everything, the wardrobes, my kitchen table, everything in this house is mine, down to the curtain poles. It's a lot of stuff, like... You effectively built it up yourself from the bare yeah. walls. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And have you... I know the house has gone sale agreed now, which is... That that kind of puts the kibosh on anything. Like, did did you appeal to your landlord at the time? Look, I where am I going to go? Yeah, but like they were in an awful situation as well. Like they're in debt from the house. Okay. Like they were never, they never intended on being landlords. Ah, they're one of those. Yeah. yeah. So called well, it's not so called. It is genuinely accidental. Landlord. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually, like, they bought this house to live in it. And it sounds to me like you, you get on fine with them, do you, Maria? Oh, I have never had an issue with them. I have a glowing reference from them. I have lovely neighbours around me. They're actually knocking on my door all week, sympathising with me. And have you said it to your landlord? Like, where, yeah. Where am I going to go? He was only here on Saturday. What's he said? He just doesn't have an answer for me. Like, everybody else don't have an answer for me. Yeah. Like, and the, the killing thing about it is, PJ, there's a house right next door to me, idled the last year and a half. This a is council the, house. This is the best bit. This is the best it's bit. Right I, next door to yeah. me. I'm looking at the house when I'm walking away on the 15th, and it's empty. And yeah. the person that moved out of the house left the house turnkey. Yeah. 
I've been inside the house, I've seen the condition of the house, it's perfect. It was perfect for that woman and her three kids. Why can't another woman and her three kids move straight in there? People don't want palaces. I'll move into any property. I don't want the council to do anything to it. I'll build it myself up myself like Give I did you the this bloody home. Key. Yeah. yeah. I'll build it up myself like I did this home. And and are you on a council list? I'm on a four months. I had to leave my job in September. Um, and I'm on a four months. Now, I know there's people out there on it years and years, mm. but I'm, I'm not going to have a roof over my head next Saturday. And I would rent another property, but anything I've applied for, I haven't got one call back. Not mm. one. Mm. What kind of rent would you be charged for? Well, at, at the moment, I'm paying 1240 a month. And have you got HAP? For that. I have rent supplement. You've rent supplement, okay. And I've only been in receipt of that since October. Because of packing up your job. Yeah. Sounds to me, uh, Maria, that you're a, a dream tenant in a, lov- never... in a lovely place with a great relationship with your landlord. And here you are now. Yeah. Homeless. Are about to become. Yeah. Now, the evi- I mean, the eviction ban, had it been extended, yes, might have protected you, but can you imagine your landlord's position at the house consent? 100%, PJ, but the problem is they put in the eviction ban. They were supposed to put things in place and they put nothing in place for people while the eviction ban was on. Yeah. Well, That's been, the issue there. To be, to be fair, if I've listened to Peter McVerry, Katrina Toomey, the Simon community... Sister Stan, who's 83 now and sounds fresher than ever. And all of them are saying the very same thing as you've just said. And nothing. Like, how do they sit back at this full end of time that the eviction man was in and do nothing? And then just announce that they were lifting it. It was actually... So I was full on sure that they were going to extend it because they had nothing in place. There was no mention of anything in place. I was like, they'll have to extend it. They're not ready to lift it. And then they just came out and lifted it with nothing. What are you going to do on Saturday week? I'd be going into APS with my bags and my child. They won't be. Are they open on a Saturday? I even? don't know. That's actually a good question. Are APS, the homeless office, are they open on a Saturday? That's a very good question. Um, but assuming that they are. That's where I'll be on the 15th. And I don't know anything further than that. And you see, this is the bit. There's a few things about this that have been going on for. As long as I'm doing this job and longer, Maria, the mm. idea that you know, you know that you are going to be homeless on a given date. You know it is unavoidable. And you go down to the Cork City Council accommodation placement, which, by the way, is closed on that day, I'm sorry to tell you. Okay. You, you go down to them and you say, I'm going to be homeless. In your case, I'm going to be homeless on the 15th of April. And they said, he will come back to us then. Sorry? Yeah, I've been down to him three times. And, they, and they, I contacted them as well like, last week because they told me that they'd ring me last week. I think that was just so that I would not be calling in. And on Friday, I rang them and they said, they normally don't deal with people until the, 50, until the day they're out. Yeah. They won't know what's available till then. Like they don't even, they're not even open for a full day. 10 till 12 yeah, and 2, two till four. 4. 4 hours a day. Yeah. You'd think they'd do like the rest of us do and work at least an eight-hour day. And every time I've been down there, there's been a queue. Yeah. Like, imagine what's going to be there in the coming weeks. 
Now, they're probably up to their eyes in paperwork, to be fair. This is not a personal yeah. criticism of the people working in there. Um, no, to be fair like to he them. told me that last week. He said they're backlogged. I'm sure they are. They're, they're probably weighed under with bales of flipping paper, and, and, yeah. and you know, and but the office is only open for hours, and it's not like the Saturday, the very day that you will be out with your bag and baggage, and your is it one or two children. I have one. One four year old. Yeah. Like they are not even open on the day they've told you come back to us. Yeah. They're not even open. If you go down to them on the Friday, they'll say to you, well, you're not homeless until tomorrow. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? What are you going to do? I don't know. I literally, I'm just taking every day as it comes now. Like I said to Fergal earlier on, like one day I'm waking up, I'm angry. The next day I can't stop crying. The next day I'm emotionless. It's just, I don't know. I actually don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. Well, well, here's a text that might give you some bit of hope that you'd, the la- it broke my heart when you said you're going to take your three years of possessions and think yeah. about going to the dump. We've had a text, someone offering storage space for your bigger stuff. That would be amazing. Okay. It has a large space, no accommodation to offer, but at least it helps with that situation. Thanks so much. So we can put that person in touch with you and get that thing yeah. sorted. That would be great, because it's a shame to throw. Like, they're practically new. I'm only in the house three years. I mean, I don't know if anyone will come in and pile in with with accommodation or even has an idea where you might start, do you know? I've tried everything, like word of mouth, everything. Every person I meet in since October, I've told them my situation and there's just been nothing, nothing. Not one lead to a house. Yeah. Yeah. So destroying. Uh, you know what, said. Uh, and the hundreds that are facing it now in the next few weeks, my heart bleeds to especially those with kids. Do you know what? I, I said a week or two ago to, to listeners that when I wake up in the morning and put my two feet on the floor of my bedroom and I look around me and I go, this is mine and I can hold on to it. Yeah. You know, of late, I've begun to almost feel guilty for that. And there's no need to feel guilty, PJ. It's not your fault. I know, but, but you know yourself, I'm, I'm here doing this job and trying to understand what it's like for someone like you. Sure, I never will. Donna, hold on there. Hold on there. Donna. Hi, PJ. Yeah, you can help Maria with the, with the storage. With storage, yeah. Unfortunately, not with housing or accommodation or anything. God love her. But um, with storage, yeah, no problem if she wants to use my, um, I have a large shed out the back which I can use for like large storage items like her, you know, bigger furniture. Great. Thanks so much, Donna. No, no problem at all. That, that's how that's how things work out, you know, the people come to the programme and they, they help with whatever. So yeah. we'll, we'll put you guys in touch off the air, yeah? Yeah, perfect, PJ, no problem. Her situation would break your heart, wouldn't it, Donna? Heartbreaking and um, as I'm, I'm just listening to her when she said about her little child that shouldn't have to go through that and I would have been in that situation when I was a child and it's absolutely heartbreaking but um, at this stage we all have to help each other because like with our government it's just not good enough like you know yeah. um, it's down to the people now to do it for each other like at this stage Alright well we'll put you guys in touch off the air Donna thank you so much for calling the opinion line Maria Thanks, you know, there's so much kindness out there 
there is. Have you popped in? I <laughs> some some morning or some afternoon, my 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 dear friend Katrina Toomey is going to meet me and hit me a belt or something because I keep <laughs> sending people into her. Have you popped in to see? Can they help? Um, I spoke to Katrina at um, a meeting that was held in the Metropole a few oh, yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like not, not even she can explain this notion that APS nobody have. Nobody can. You can't come in until you're homeless. Yeah, nobody can. You know. Uh, it's just clarity, like, people just want clarity at this stage, like. like we know they're not going to put the eviction man back in place. Yeah. But we just want clarity. I know. So I remember I was talking to Michelle here, originally from Ballancolic, living in Doncaster for the last 20 years, thinking about coming home, and people were flooding the line saying, stay where you are, girl. I, yep. I said it to her, I said, if you discovered that you're, you're, you were to be homeless in a month or six weeks, she said, I'd present myself down at a, a local office, and by the time I came to be homeless, they'd have something found. Even if it was only very temporary, they'd have something found. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're They're waiting. I wish, I wish someone could take a call and tell me why they'll wait for you to be there with your bag and baggage and your crying child. I don't know, PJ. There's just nobody wants to answer the questions. I know. That we're asking. Maria, Donna has come forward to help with your storage. That, that's, that's a bit of good news. If anybody has anything, like literally a little tiny one bedroom that anything you could have all. for the, for temporary. Yeah, anything at all. You're in a position to pay rent. You're eligible for the rent assistance. You get all of that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It, it sounds so trite of me just wishing you luck, do you know, but I, but I do. Okay, thanks, PJ. You're welcome. I'll put you back onto the lads there. You all right? That's Maria Brady. Thank you so much to Donna for coming through with that. It's, it's, it's one of those questions, and I know we did send off an email to, to City Hall. I, I'm not too sure what came back on it. So that adds to the other question. The question of when they're turning over a perfectly good house, why they rip over, or rip out a perfectly good kitchen, rip out a perfectly good bathroom, rip up perfectly good floors. We want to know that. The other one we want to know now, on top of it, is why, when Maria knows, or anybody else knows, knows they're going to be homeless come the 15th of, of April. Why does APS say we'll come down to us then? Why can't APS prepare? Why isn't there somewhere you can go to list yourself as about to becoming homeless? Why isn't there someone there that can say, well, okay, you're going to be homeless on the 15th of April. Let's see what we can do for you. Why does that not happen? City Matt, we did request last week. We did send in a formal written request to City Hall um, and on behalf of Anne Harty, we received a reply to say that she wasn't available. Well, we'll just maybe ask again. 0818 96 96 96. I'd like to offer, oh my goodness me, I'd like to offer a room for the weekend while the APS office is closed. I can also help with storage. Um... We'll, we'll check that out behind the scenes, but a place to go for the weekend looks like it might be on the cards at least. What a lovely girl. I hope some landlord grabs her, says another call. 0818 96 96 96. And I do sometimes, you know, sit there of a morning and 
make me coffee and I'm looking out at the morning and feeding me dog and kicking me cat's arse out the door to go out and take toilets and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, look around me and I goes, you know what? This is this is ours. And thousands of people like us can't turn around and say that right now. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. Cork's ninety six FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon Sunday, June fourth. Whatever you do it for, be part of this summer's favourite feel-good event. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. Do it now. Do it now. With Cork's 96FM. Somebody on the phone suggesting that Maria just moves into that empty house next door and occupies. Couldn't endorse that caller. You can see why it won't go, go through somebody's mind. Um, couldn't endorse. I know someone who did that years ago. An elderly couple. Was it was it Leo and oh God, what was her name? Was it Madge? They were an elderly couple up in Popham's Road and the council the council wanted to move them and the place they wanted to move them to was totally unsuitable because they were both riddled with arthritis. <laughs> so she chained herself to, to the radiator. And that was years and years ago. Um, lovely couple, I went to meet them. Frank O'Connor from Derelict, Ireland. Frank, you were listening to Maria, and I didn't know this. The, the Mandeville Place, I saw the houses go up. They look fabulous. I'm told they are fabulous. They're empty, but they were officially opened last year. What's going on? Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, yeah, that was uh, first thing in terms of Maria's story. It's uh, Thanks for covering that. It's uh, really upsetting to hear, it's actually. It? Very yeah, upsetting. Sure. But uh, in terms of Mandeville Place, yeah, I know I've been keeping an eye on the place there for the last few months, expecting something to happen. But yeah, when I went around the other day to find that they're still empty, and uh, I mean, they're saying that they were basically ready to move in nine months ago, and it was officially open nine months ago as well. So it does raise questions about the whole process of, of bringing these houses back into use. No, they're saying they're for over 60s, which is which is great. But... um. You'd think that when they were going to open them officially, they'd have people ready to move in, you know, given yeah. the situation we're in. And um, and I'm not sure if they're actually ready to move in straight away by just having a quick look the last day. I think there's still some work required to get them, get them ready yeah. to move in. There's another um, place down in Carrigaline with something like 15 houses uh, turnkey ready, and they're empty. There's, there is, and there's so many other houses across the city, PJ, I walk, as you know, I walk around all the time, and I think it's, I'm getting more and more upset the more I hear about people being on the streets, and like Maria said there, the house next to her, uh, there's so many houses in the city, I mean, there's council-owned houses that they CPO'd five years ago that they're just working on now, you know, and uh, we we also heard as well that they haven't, though, they've only purchased uh, trees so far on their tent and situ scheme, which has been around since last June. So I just don't see the emergency in the in the approach, you know. And um, it's really frustrating to hear the stories every day where people are going to be evicted, and we have no shortage of houses in Cork City. Yeah. That they are there, you know. And you know, for people who haven't come across you before, Frank, they should look up Derelict Ireland on on Twitter, or I think I think you on Instagram as well. Like, this is your work. This is what you well, it's a hobby for you, but this is what you do. You go around and you 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 show us the places that are empty. Now, many of them would take quite a lot of work, but some of them would be with a little bit of work be ready for 
a mother and daughter like Maria and her little girl. That's it, that's it. And even down the road from where I live, not far in, in Blackpool, I mean, there's a section of Watercoast Road where, like, for example, again, there's retail units which got planning permission four years ago to convert them into residential units and nothing's happened since. So we see lots of plans, but we don't see actions. Now, obviously, this is, as you said, like myself, my partner Jude have been doing this now for, it'll be coming up to three years actively in social media in June. And to be honest, it's it's getting more frustrating because... All along, UK, we're hearing stories of people but uh, struggling, but now it's coming to a case where it's becoming epidemic levels. And like I said, the vacancy in the city is so, so high. And the amount of places, like you said, some places take a lot of work, but some places don't. And Maria told the story there about the council uh, contractors coming in and ripping out the, all the units and stuff and starting from afresh. I've heard that so many times. Well, no, she didn't bring that up. That's something that came up last last oh, week. Right. And it's been coming up on this programme for years. And we've asked the council again, why would they go into a perfectly good property and start ripping out kitchens, ripping out bathrooms, ripping out floors? We're still looking for the answer. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, if places are perfectly ready to use, just use them as they are. And like she said, I mean, a lot of people are more than willing to do it up themselves to do it the way they want. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories recently where people, the council have gone in, taken out their contractors, taken stuff out, and the new people have gone back in afterwards and changed it again, you know? So, <laughs> it's, it's, but look, it's You couldn't so make it up. You no, you couldn't. Up. But it's, there are so many places in Cork City, no one should be going w- without a home, you know? And I just really worry about the urgency. We saw it last night with the meeting being cancelled and stuff, and like you said early on, maybe nothing would have been achieved. But, every week you say where is the urgency it's moving far too slow and so many people are going to be struggling and it's really worrying for everyone to be honest and I wish I could do more obviously I'll keep highlighting stuff for my partner Jude but there's only so much we can do you see Frank you're doing a very important job because you're, you're, you're you're holding feet to the fire you're saying to City Hall all of these places are empty why should anybody be worried about where they're going to go. You're doing good work, you and Jude. Keep it up. Frank O'Connor of Derelict Ireland. Well worth a follow on social media. Don't spend too long scrolling through it. You'll get very, very angry. Richie says, "Where? what about the houses on Kilmore Road? Not completed. Beautiful townhouses just sitting there now for three years. Uh, just to repeat, we did... Send in some questions last week to City Council. We're told that uh, the Chief Exec um, and Doherty not available to us at the moment. Well, we'll just ask again. Maybe we'll keep asking until we get someone, and preferably sitting across this table from me, to answer a few questions. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Lots of responses to Maria and her situation. We'll podcast that interview almost immediately after the show. She faces homelessness on the 15th of April, APS won't even deal with her until then they're not even open on that day, Uh, we have got somewhere for her to put her stuff, thanks to Donna who contacted us, we may have 
some accommodation for her for the weekend that she becomes homeless thanks to other generous callers to the show but she has a four year old girl who, who may have to sleep in a car like that's that's the reality of the situation or a guard station even though the guards have been saying to anyone who listened don't have anyone come to our stations we've nowhere to put them like where are you going to put them where like you, what are you going to do set up bunks in in the public office where are you going to put them yes a guard station a lot of people don't know this a guard station is listed legally as an official place of safety in that if you have nowhere else to go you can either go to a guard station or a hospital the hospitals there's a queue out the door the guard stations they've got nowhere to put you unless you fancy spending the night in a cell you know um, but yeah um, Maria's got a four year old girl who on Saturday week will be probably sleeping in a car um, because and, 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 and there's Frank O'Connor mentioning all of these empty homes empty spaces around the city and indeed he rang us about Mandeville Place and I knew these houses were going up. Uh, from all you hear, they're fabulous inside. They were per- supposed to be in turnkey condition. There was a an official opening and a plaque put up and all of those things. Mandeville Place is, is near the city centre. And the exact geographical location of it, I'm not 100% sure. I just know the houses, but it's there in the city centre. And the Lord Mayor at the time, if I'm right, Colm Kelleher, you were Lord Mayor at the time. It's your name is on that plaque. Did you know at the at the time they were opening that they'd be still empty nearly a year later? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, and you're 100% correct. I was Lord Mayor at the time. <clears throat> I opened Mandeville Place over nine months ago, along with... Um, three other housing developments across the city that day. It was a very good news story for Cork City Council in relation for delivering over 100 social homes across the city that day. And Mandeville Place was one of four that I did open uh, on that day uh, in June of last year, towards the end of my tenure as Lord Mayor. Um, To answer your question, did I know that they would be vacant nine months later? No. No is the simple answer. Um, when we went out uh, on site to view it, um, the builders were still there. The building was, I would describe, 99.9% done. There was two or three builders with a snag list, as the you know, builders would do at the end of a development, going around making sure that all the hinges were correct and you know there was mm. all the crazy uh, so forth and so on were correct. And um, I was advised. W- would you mind telling me why a plaque went up on a wall and was unveiled and a photo op was organised when all that was still going on and when there were no allocations done? Well, all allocations would go through tri-space letting um, in as as a rule of thumb. Um, so any development that's finished or opened. Um, would normally be opened before they go into the allocations process. Now, the way CDL works is that, you know, there's a new development here in Palancolic, for argument's sake, that... Mm. Uh, no, no, the, the, how it works isn't isn't really my question, Colm, although it is a bit co- complicated. But mm-hmm. at the same time, as 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 Lord Mayor of Cork, who, whose name was going to be on the plaque, did and, and you're, you're an activist in your area for many, many years, did it not occur to you to check that they had been allocated? Did it not occur to you to say, well, can we meet and have a photograph with one of the people who might be living there afterwards? No, 100%, but 99.9% of the time when a Lord Mayor or, you know, a member of government 
or um, a public representative opens something, they are just on the cliff edge of the allocations process. You know, um, you asked me, you know, did I think that they would be vacant nine months later? In God's green earth, no one thought that they could be vacant nine months later. Now, these particular ones were for downsizing um, and for, you know, applicants over 60 years old and right-sizing. And what that means is that you would have applicants that could be in old social housing stock that may rear their families in three beds and in four beds and, you know, due to the death of a spouse or so forth and so on, they're now living in a three-bed or a four-bedroom house mm. uh, with, with, with empty rooms. So the whole idea of downsizing would be that we would take sure. the Can- stock they have and place them in these. That normally takes a bit longer. Can, can I ask you to do something, though? Months. Can I ask you to do something? You said, right, takes a bit longer, shouldn't take nine months. Can I, can I come back to you? Colm, let's make a note of the day. Today is the what the fourth of April. Can I can I book you in for the Tuesday after the May bank holiday? And we come back to me then and tell me are they allocated yet and if not, why not? hundred percent. No, my hundred I've no bother doing that, PJ. Oh, my information uh, is at the moment is that they are on the final leg of being allocated. Okay. So I would hope that they would be occupied. Okay. By then, but well, ha- well, well, let's 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 let, let's make a date in the diary for the the Tuesday after the May Bank holiday. One hundred percent, and we we'll see if we can I, sort I, it by then. I, I just like to stress, PJ, that like you know the allocation process in Cork City Council for any social uh, uh, property, um, like for argument's sake, there was a place out here in Ballincollig. It went up in CBL. It was up for a week. Applicants then were adjudicated over a week, and in the halfway through the third week, offers went out. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, that's what happens in the allocation process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I get that. You know, and they're I, doing fraudulent work in there. But I fear that this one. Albeit downsizing, and it does take a small bit longer. Nine months. It's, I'm very disappointed that they're unoccupied. Yeah. Um, five, five one bed and six two bed apartments on what was a va- formerly a vacant site. Should they should be gone in hours? Colin? Uh, hours. Milliseconds. Quick question for you as well, and it's one of these ones that we can never seem to get answered. So take Maria now, just not her in particular, but people like her. She's due out of where she is on the 15th of April. She fully understands why her landlord needs her gone. She's been trying to go into APS and get help. Can you please tell me, Colm, why APS won't even look at your crooked until you're actually standing there with a crying child and your worldly possessions? Why can't they prepare and you go down and say, look, I'm going to be evicted on the 15th of April. Can I put my name on the list for something? Why won't they even do that? Yeah, completely. Look, I'm at a loss that, that, that that's the position APS have taken, to be honest with you. Like that, that poor woman there. That's Call him with respect. You're at a loss. No. You, you served no. as Lord Mayor of Cork. You, you, yeah. you, it, it shouldn't come as a surprise to you. Well, look, I, I, I 100% agree with you, PJ. Like, you know, this here is an individual that is facing, you know, very uncertain circumstances on the 15th of April. It's like knowing that there's a flood coming around the corner and looking at someone with a lifeboat. Mm. Uh, and asking them, give me the lifeboat before the water runs the corner, and they're saying, well, no, yeah. you can wait until... This, this seems to be a long-standing you know? practice with APS, that, that, that they won't look at you until you actually are there, like I said, with a crying child and your bag and baggage hanging to you. That's something that needs to be changed. Like, I was only talking to Michelle from Ballancolic, who's living in Doncaster, talking to her last week, from a woman from your own neck of the woods, Colm, mm. and I asked her that question. I said, if she discovered that she was to be homeless in maybe three months or whatever... She said, I'd go down tomorrow and I'd put my name down and I'd be sorted on time. 
100%, I don't disagree with you. But look, there is a lot of, of, of people out there facing uncertain circumstances. And that uh, caller you had on, Maria, like if she wants to contact me and I can liaise directly with her and try to lobby APS to try and engage with her before her feet get wet, mm. I have no problem in doing that. I think we definitely need to look at APS, though, and, and see what it, why it is that they won't deal with you until you are there and homeless and with, with, with a weeping child. Colm, come back to me in a month. Lads, we'll book her in for the, is it the second? We'll book Colm in for the, is it the second of May or the third of May? The Tuesday after the Maybank holiday weekend, Colm, and we'll talk about, about Mandeville Place and, and see what's been done then. And maybe in the interim, you can find out why it's taken so long and all of that. Thank you very much, Councillor Colm Kelleher, former Lord Mayor. He is the man whose name is on the plaque at Mandeville Place. He says to me that when he did the official opening on the 22nd of June 2022, which have been probably one of his last engagements as Lord Mayor, uh, that he didn't have no, he had no idea that there would still be vacant nine to ten months later. Thank you for that. Colm, 0818 96, 96, 96. This is apropos of absolutely nothing. A few people <laughs> have been on to us. I haven't seen this, although maybe I have. People are wondering about the dog appearing on Twitter. What? There's a dog turning up randomly on people's Twitter. Um, it's not a virus. It's Twitter are doing this. We, we know not why. But they're doing Oh, the things that come in. 0818 96 96 96. On the subject of landlords and Maria, to be fair to her, despite the awful situation in which she finds herself, and quite a number of people I've spoken to who find themselves in a similar situation to that, they're not at loggerheads at all with their landlord. In fact, many of them are very understanding of the situation in which their landlords currently find themselves. Suzanne, can you hold on with me till after the break? Will you do that? Okay, no Th- worries. Thank right. you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. Cork music from the likes of Keen Ducrow and Lyra and hits from Pink, Ed Sheeran and Harry Styles and loads more from 12. Join me here at Cork's 96 FM. I mentioned that Maria has a very good relationship for up to now with her landlord and quite a number of the people I've spoken to in the last couple of weeks, even people in very distressing and imminently stressful situations have a perfectly good relationship with their landlord. Suzanne, you were saying people shouldn't blame their landlords here, for the most part anyway. Um, it's it's the government should be getting the blame. I think that, I think that vibe is out there. Good morning. Well, you know what, yeah, good morning, PJ. You know what, PJ, it might be out there, but there are some politicians then who are putting it back on the landlords. Now, I'm not a landlord, and to be quite honest, I would never want to be a landlord in Ireland, given all that's going on. Me and you both, girl. Yeah, um... I think that, like, we know what Paul Murphy said the other day in the Doyle, you know, about, oh, stay, stay put, you know, don't move, you know, um, which is a dreadful thing to do to the landlords, but it's completely understandable for the actual poor tenants mm. who are being put out. But PJ, well done for holding Con Keller to account there now. And in my opinion, I would love it if you contacted in writing every single councillor 
and ask them to account for why the APS, why people aren't, staff aren't being redeployed to the APS, because I'm quite sure they'll come up with, oh, we don't have the staff. There are plenty. In the time of COVID, they were able to redeploy medics. They were able to redeploy Mm -hmm. nurses. This mm-hmm. is as bad, PJ, for an awful lot of people. It's arguably worse, well, Suzanne. It is. I mean, PJ, I'm down the marina now and I'm here waiting for um, for Fergal to call me for the last hour. It's fucking freezing, excuse my language. And can you imagine being homeless with your children? Yeah. And this is April, you know? I'm sorry. It's a long time and you know now that I've taken a break and I'm not, you know, I try not to let things rankle me. But I am so angry with the government over this. And it is the government who works for our fault. They brought in the eviction ban with knowing, giving six months, whatever, to it. Fine, fair enough. That was the window for them to get everything sorted out. If they weren't going to get it sorted out, they should never have brought it in. Because all it has done is upped the ante and put off the inevitable. And likewise, I can see why some politicians are saying... Well, it's only putting off the inevitable if it's kept in place until next January, and it's not fair to land. Thing is, you see, Suzanne, you know this, and Leo Varadkar was on the news again there at 10, played that clip. We might see if we can get it actually and play it out ourselves on the show. He's insisting that if they kept it in place, it would only make matters worse. Now, I was I'm, listening listening to yeah. an interview on Saturday with Sister Stan, and I would respectfully yes. suggest she's forgotten more about homelessness than Leah Varadkar will ever know. Yes, and she's And she said, a woman in her 80s, she said, have you noticed they're the only ones saying that? Yeah. Nobody yeah. else is saying it'll only make it worse except the government. Well, the only thing I would say about that, PJ, is it will only make it worse if the government don't get their act together and get their job done getting the houses available to people. It's appalling there are houses in Carrigaline that haven't been moved into, there are houses in um, the one you were talking about that haven't been moved into PJ, there are houses that are being very slowly put through excuse me, where the council have supposedly given the okay for buying private houses. You know the houses that we talk about being boarded up, the council houses. They say, Mm -hmm. oh, we don't have the staff, we don't have the engineers. Well, hire the engineers or redeploy them. I'm sorry, I sound so angry and my husband would kill me if you No, no, Susanna, I think you're expressing views that a lot of people hold. And come back to the comparison you made with COVID. And... A few year, a few weeks ago, I said that during COVID, we learnt that there was no such word as can't. We recognised on Monday, we need something. And by hook or by crook, it was in place by close of business Wednesday or close of business Friday. We're in that kind of an emergency now and we're still being told, oh, it's not as simple as that. It bloody well is. If you want it to be. You'd agree with me? She's there, son, too. You'd agree with me? Yeah, I am. I'm with you. Exactly, PJ. It is an emergency, and I'm sorry they seem still to be doing nothing about it. Everybody's gone quiet. We haven't, I mean, to my knowledge, have we heard from any of our local politicians, our local TDs that are in government? Hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, PJ. I would love it if you actually, and you know I'm fairly level-headed, I will fight for the underdog, yes. You'd be what I'd call I, a centrist, Suzanne, in yeah, talking to I over am. the years. You'd be a centrist. Exactly. Yeah. I would be a centrist. But honestly, it's the first time that I cannot excuse in any way 
the behaviour of our government. And you know the other thing that makes me angry, which is going to affect us down the line, mm. they have now given it in a place, on a place, to the left-wingers if an election were to come up. And then every house owner, if they get in, will then be taxed to the hilt and everybody will suffer then again. There's that so too. It's got, you know, I mean... It just—it's going to be a—it's going to be a, a self-propagating issue the way they're handling it. Yeah, fair point, Suzanne. Thank you for your call. Oh eight one eight ninety six, ninety six ninety six. She contacted us yesterday, wanting to have her say on this. We we'll get her in this morning. Thank you. Um, we are taxed to the hilt already, of course. You see, um, that's the thing, um, and I, I take her point there. Like there are people on the left of politics right who think that because I'm lucky enough to be owning my house and supporting myself in my house and the same with Emer and the same with Fergal there are those who think we're, that because we're lucky enough to have a house under our arses that we can pay more tax like we're taxed to the hilt already, they get battered senseless every payday I get me paycheck in one hand I get, I get a beating and I get what's left of it into the other hand you know what I mean 0818 96 96 96 now let us take a landlord's point of view and we've been wanting to do this for a while and a lot of landlords are reluctant uh, to come on the show because or an, any show because they feel they're going to get a battering I'm not going to do that Nicholas Corkery is a landlord between himself and his family, quite a number of properties. And Nicholas, we're going to have a conversation. We're not going to have a row, but I want to hear your point of view. Will you wait for me till after the commercial break? I will indeed. Good man. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. It's, it's been always quite difficult to secure a, a conversation with a landlord. Yep. Yeah. Someone who's got one or two places, yeah, we've had them on before. But someone who has direct or indirect influence over a number of tendencies. So, Nicholas, we're not going to fight here. I'm going to give you your opportunity to, to, to lay your cards on the table. I would say to you that there's quite an amount of, of empathy out there with the position of landlords, particularly from St. Maria, who was uh, the last person we had on. But... You've got quite a number of, of holdings. Do you have anybody um, no, receive an eviction order at the moment? No, PJ, and I thought the longest tenant we have is 27, 28 years, okay. coming down to probably 14, 15. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In 10 years, 6 years. And we've never, ever had any issues with them. And, like, 
any good landlord, if they have good tenants, good paying tenants, no issues, no problem, why would they throw them out? Why would they try and put up the rent? See, I think a lot of it is that we don't know what everyone's circumstances are. I don't know your circumstances. You're the man in the radio, I assume you're earning big money. That's, you know... I'm, well, I'm, I'm well paid, Nicholas. Yes. Yes. And that's the mentality of people out there. And people would look at me and probably say, that does not fear him. Yeah. But nobody knows my circumstances behind closed doors. I have mortgages, I have bills, I have children in college. So, if, if a tenant will say isn't paying, well then I must look down the road at, where do I go with this? I've only had one tenant in the last probably 10 years where I had an issue. The tenant was being paid. I'm being paid by the HAP scheme. Right. Oh, so you, ta- you take HAP, do you? I do, yes. yes. And do, do, tenant, do, do, do you have it across the board in your tenancies? Or yes, do you, yeah, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. So we have a good relationship, with, we'll say, with the HAP scheme. And the tenant has to pay his contribution to HAP. If he doesn't pay his contribution, I get a, a warning letter that I'm not going to get paid. How quickly would you get that? Probably, we'll just say I get paid, we'll just say the 28th of the month, I'll know it on the twin, probably on the 22nd or 23rd that he hasn't made his contribution. So there's a great chance that I won't get my check on so, the 28th. So if you get your HAP money on the 28th of the month, I'm supposed to, if you're, I'm your tenant, I'm supposed to put X on top of it. I don't know yes. what that is, but yes. it doesn't really matter. Yes. So if I don't pay my X... I don't get paid from HAP, their, their portion of it. See. So I have an agreement, we'll say, with a government-based body that they will pay me... But if he doesn't put in his or she doesn't put in their contribution, I don't get paid. Mm-hmm. We had it recently where a tenant didn't pay. I had to go knocking to the door. I'm being told, look, he's doing what he can to bring his arrears up, so on and so forth. One month gone. Then we're hoping that, right, we'll get a double check on month two. Month two comes, I get the second pink letter to be told, I'm not getting paid this month either. Mm-hmm. Now, this is falling into probably the first week of December, so... I've looked down the road at the alternative. I had to get onto the RTB. I didn't really know where to start. I had to make a number of calls to find out how do I evict this tenant now. Went like how long RTB. would you give someone, Nicholas, if well, they start- this, this, yeah. this is where I'm going with it, uh, Vijay. I, got, I was told on, we'll say, the first week of December that I'd have to put, start the process, and it was a 28-day. You have to issue the letter, for, and that takes 28 days. We'll say they have 28 days to bring themselves up to speed with their rent. And then you've issued a second letter. I could have done that on the 6th of December. But mm. rather than face the young fella and hand him the eviction letter on the run into Christmas and be called the biggest scab around Mellor for doing what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I issued it on the 6th of January, yeah. putting another month's rent on hold. So that was three months' rent I owed now. I, I was owed two, nearly three grand. Right. Okay. Then... He had the, the, the first eviction letter, so he got the 28 days. Um, had notified me um, after that month that he had been cut off the HAP scheme in the middle of November because of late payments. They never notified me. So I'm four months in, in the red now, and I had to issue, on the 28th day, I had to issue him the fourth letter. Oh, sorry, the second letter for 28 days. Now, the eviction ban, correct me if I'm wrong here, Nicholas, didn't apply to him because he wasn't... He- Fully he up to speed with his payments. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Correct. So I'm five months, we'll say, nearly 5,000 in the rate. And there's nobody looking out for me. I have my mortgage to pay. The government have come up with, 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 with this scheme. They're not following me through. They're not supporting me. Like, 
I've my own family to look after. What scheme and is like that I you're say, talking about? Like, people looking in from the outside, they just see the bigger picture. There's no fear of him. Like, I'm 5,000 in the red, and no hope I'll probably ever get here. Right. The other tendencies I have, I've never had an issue, and I hope if some of them are listening there today, that they'd come on, and they'd back me up. Mm. Mm. But I just think the government run with these schemes, and they don't seem to. It's great. And then, who likes the threshold? Threshold told the man that um, he didn't have to leave. Now Threshold have bring me, and they've told me, oh, he doesn't have to leave under section, I don't know what it was, bloody bad. I had done everything to the letter of the law with the RTB. So I contacted the RTB to make sure. I had ticked all the boxes in the form. So when I issued him with the letter, we'll say, on the Friday evening, I also had to email Threshold at the same time. Oh, sorry, emailed um, the RTB at the same time with the same letter I had given him. Mm. I contacted him on the Monday to make sure. I had ticked all the boxes in the form. They wouldn't even look at my email or entertain me to say whether I had done the letter to the letter of the law so if I had made a mistake in dates, times, names, addresses, I was opening a can of worms to give him another 28 days. This is what they're talking about, isn't it, Nicholas, yeah, when they say... Threshold, I think it was Threshold, as you said it, that there's about a third of the letters that have gone out to people are, are invalid. Oh, correct. Now, yeah. now, I would have thought someone like yourself would be bright enough that if you do have a person who's troublesome with their rent, that you go, you don't... You don't write this thing off the top of your head, you go to your solicitor and get him or her to help you to write it. Did you do that? Yes. I spoke to my solicitor about Dahi O'Donovan there on the mail and Dahi had said to me, I have to go according to the RTB. The RTB was the first step. Yes. And if he didn't leave after, we'll say, if the RTB is, well then, I'd have to, I'd have to be bringing him into, into the equation then. I see, but I see, I see. I did everything to the letter of the law According you, to the government guidelines. And you still, can't shift, you, you still can't shift it on cooperative tenant. Yeah. With regard to politicians, um, and I, I said, you know, that council meeting, uh, that council motion didn't go ahead last night in City Hall. Um, and my point was that I was wondering what 90 minutes of them shouting at one another would have achieved for anybody. But would you, I think, Nicholas, believe that too many politicians are scoring political points off one another and not addressing the problems? Well, that's, that's been it for a lifetime. Like, they're saying, you know, that they're trying to house everybody. I have four children at home, and I have, I have a couple of acres of land, and I'm quite happy to let them build on the land. But only one child can build on my land. So explain, we have the explain that one. to me. Explain that to me. So you they're have only, Right, you have four kids. Adults, yeah. are they? Yes, they're all, all in their, in their eight, 19s, 20s right. upwards. Right. Right. One living so, in France, one right. in London. If okay. they came home in the morning and they wanted to build, only one can build on my land. Boy. This is a government scheme Boy. that they're trying to it's bring your in. Land. It's your land. Yes. But what they're trying to do is they want to push everybody into the towns. But they don't have the infrastructure there. They don't have the housing there because all my children are out of age to go now, we'll say. But there's nothing there for them. So why not leave us build in the bit of ground that we have and leave the government build our houses and give it to the people who need us inside closer to the town? While we have the facilities to look after our own, let us look after our own and every other person in the country that has a bit of land or a farm or whatever. Yeah. If they can look after their own, do so. Good, Why be upsetting everything good, in the town? Go down to rural Kerry and a place I know quite well, uh, Fionach, which was a Gaeltacht area. And there's a place, there are places around that called Balian Nalucha and, and there was another one, Balian Kum. They were all places like you where a family built their own houses 
on their own land with their own money and they set up little small townlands. Sure, that's all you want to do. Why won't you be let do it? It's just, just another idea that the government have come up with. No thought at all put into it. We'll run with this. Probably to do with a planning issue as well and scoring more money this way. But, you know, it's just, it's just one thing after another beating the good people will say beating everybody that's trying to pay in to the government system mm. but getting no no feedback or no kickback afterwards. Nicholas, you're probably too deeply embedded in this to be wanting to do it. You've you've quite a, a number of holdings. If if you were a smaller landlord, would you be getting out? I would. I would because I I have one I have one um, which are friends of ours that they bought we'll just say they bought they bought the, the property right. They bought it as an investment for their children. Then, which had the COVID hit, they had a tenant who was out of work. The 350 was supporting his family. They got no rent. Mm. They, were, they, were, they were out of pocket in the thousands. I think the plan at the moment is to try and sell the house so that they can pay back what they owe. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's not just one. How many more around the country have fallen into that problem? Mm-hmm. And like, it's... it's it's there in black and white. Like it, it has to be with, with the majority of those people. I suppose I'm lucky in one sense. One will fall back and maybe support the other. Do you know what I mean? We've been lucky in our, in our rental market down through the years that we haven't had many issues. Do you know? Mm-hmm. But like if I was just one property, I, there's no way you could support us. Yeah. Yeah. And like you take a lot of the, I suppose, our... our Teenagers today, take my own, they're 19th, 20s onwards. Like, they're living for today. They're not putting away. They're not investing, you know, they're not putting their money in the bank. Nicholas, they can't. I mean, if they're trying trying to rent and and do do an ordinary job and pay rent, what are they going to save? How are they ever going to get on the property market? And this might be another reason where landlords are pulling the plug. That, we just say, take take me. My son came home in the morning from France. And said, Dad, I want to build. But I have no washer. Mm. Of course I do my best to help him. And yeah. if it means, God forbid, if he was sick in the money, if it means selling something, I do it. Mm. Yeah. Now, it, 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 of course it's going to affect somebody somewhere. Well, but, well, ideally, if he's coming home from wherever he is and he said, Dad, I'm, I'm ready to come home, I have a job secured, and, and I need a place... Logically, course, logically, you could turn around and say, "Well, yeah. there's that such there's number seven there." Yeah. Um, would you move into number seven? I can't. I can't give it to you for six months because I need to evict the, the 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 tenant. Would you do that? I I probably would. I won't tell a lie. Like, I think you'd be entitled. My, to my investments are for my my investments are for my children. Like, yeah. So down the road, they're going to end up missing him anyway. Please God, you know. And yeah. but as you said, if I had to. Of course I would. Number seven, I'm sorry. Look, I'd, I'd give you six months. I'd probably give, her, give me a year. Yes. You know, I'd give him time. Yes. Same way as I, I, I did the last gentleman. I didn't issue the, the notice and, uh, you know, the month before Christmas. You're right? going to give him a Christmas present of that letter. No, 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 no. One, one last thing, Nicholas, with regard to tax. And on the one hand, we hear that the, the landlord, particularly the small one, but maybe you can address it more generally, Particularly, the, the, on the one hand, we hear that the landlord is fleeced by tax. And on the other yeah. hand, we hear that so much can be written off against tax. Somewhere in between is the truth. Are you being, if I'm paying you a thousand euro in rent per month, 
I'm what's, collecting what's five. That? You're collecting five. Yeah. And, and that's if a boiler, after if all a boiler the breaks down in, yeah. And if a boiler breaks down in the morning, that has to go on over a five or six year period of claiming the tax back in that. Right. So like I was just gonna know, ask you that. So if my boiler if my boiler goes pop, you yeah. can fix the boiler, you can return it against your tax, but if I buy a new one, it's because it went well up. I top set it over four or five years. I see. I see. But I, 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 I dished out the money today to my local helper. I see. You know? I see. And the plumbers like the and everybody else. Yeah. The government's yeah. great to, 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 to lay out all these schemes, but doesn't know to it. And the one last thing I would say to you, PJ, before we go, is, and I would argue this with my friends, we are all Mayfellers. You're comfortable with what you have. I'm comfortable with what I have. Yeah. The person we just said they might be a little bit below me. He may be struggling, but he's probably comfortable. But if we actually came together and stopped being so negative, you know, and trying to beat the, beat the next door neighbor or beat, you know, if we all actually pulled together, for once we you could know do what? Like in other countries, we could actually we could actually take the government down. Well, don't mind taking the government down, but but here's a thought, and it's a thought we've had many times. We have all the different parties inside in the Dáil and the Shannon and the Council shouting at one another. What if they all decided to sit down and actually fix it together? Do you think that could be done? Probably not. Because there was no way that one would agree with the other on anything. Ain't that the truth? They couldn't agree on what sandwiches to have at the meeting. Nicholas, thank you. Nicholas Corkery. Um, oh, landlord, um, property holder. That's his point of view. I didn't bring him on for a fight. I brought him on for a chat. And I'd like to think that we got something out of that, any of us who were listening. Let me know if you did. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Paul, you've been waiting for a bit. Thank you for holding. Morning. Morning, PJ. Bye. How are you? What would you like to say, sir? Well, like, there's, there's, a, there's a huge problem here, PJ. You know, like, the government are now knownly making people, people homeless in mass numbers. They've been getting away with it for years. And, like, the big question is where are people going to go? Like, especially people who go over the threshold. They can't go on the council list and they're not entitled to emergency accommodation. And families with kids, um, just like the Graham King case, they're going to be sleeping in tents all over the country or yeah. getting ready for school, school in the side of a footpath. You know, it's, it's horrible, like... Yeah, well, I mean, there's Maria earlier on, and, and she has a good relationship with her landlord. She completely understands that the landlord needs the house back, that the house has gone sale agreed. She can't get an ounce of assistance inside an APS until she's actually standing there with a crying child and her bag and baggage. That's wrong, Paul. Yeah, no, like, with the APS, it's like the big, like, why they want you to come in on the day of the eviction? is to protect public money. Um, because, like, it, 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 it's shameful and degrading to go in there with your child, as you said, crying in front of them before they do that. But it's just to protect public money. That's why they won't... They, they, they want to make sure that you're a genuine case and all that as well, like... Yeah. You know, and... That's but, just, but you think, like, that she can go into them and say, look, here's the situation... Um, I'm going to be homeless on the 15th of April. What can you do for me? Can I put my name on a list for some help? And they'd say, no, I'll come back on the 15th, a day when they actually happen to be closed anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, like, it's... 
It's like the way they think of it is she's housed. She's roof over her head until the 15th come into us when you've no house. Yeah. But it's a bit so, like, as, as the former Lord Mayor said, um, he said, well, if you know that the water is rising and you don't build the wall until the water is coming over the top of it, you're not doing your job properly. No, no. Planning and pre- preparation, PJ, you know, and then you have the other side of it, landlords. No wonder they're getting out of the market because, like, they're being tax- taxed left, right and centre. You know, so, like, they need... Do you need to entice landlords to stay in the market? Well, as Nicholas said to me there a while ago, he pay, if he's charging me a thousand euro a month in rent, he's probably going to bank about five hundred of that. Now he also got a very a, a property that's a worthy asset at the end of my time there, but still he's been screwed for half of what I pay him every month. Yeah, and that's that's part of the problem why landlords are leaving the market. You know. You'd feel sorry for some fellas that are in the market. They're just caught up in it and they want to get, get the hell out of it, you know. Like, they should, the government should be putting stuff in place to entice landlords to stay in the market. They're not doing it. They have plenty of time to do it. Their, their argument but, is that ending the eviction ban might entice some landlords to stay. I have yet to talk to anybody who ch- who's, who changed their mind on getting out. But you see, PJ, you the other hand of that thing, like you people that are going to overhold, it's mm. going to cause a massive problem and landlords are going to definitely want to get the hell out of the market. Mm. So yeah, because it, if you overhold, as, as William Harvey said here, the solicitor on Friday, I know that Paul Murphy said it in the doll and Paul has a law degree and, and all of that, but William Harvey said to me here on Friday, if, if, if I'm being evicted and I decide to overhold, it, it could take my landlord many months to get me out, but but at the end of that, I could be faced with a whopping legal bill. So I'm not doing myself any favours. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. But like when you look at a PJ, like if if there's family going to be evicted or they've been served with an eviction notice, they've nowhere else to go. That's true. They're not going to go out onto a street. Mm-hmm. They're going to overhaul. Oh, a lot they're of people going are going to overhaul. A lot of people are going to overhaul. Absolutely, there. I imagine there are people possibly overholding already. Yeah, and you know anybody that is to, and if they end up out on the street, the government should be known as murderers. Ah, well, no, strong words. It's strong words. You're saying if someone dies in the street, the government should be held responsible for their death. Yeah, because they're normally doing this. No, PJ, you know they're doing it for years. They're getting away with it for years, but no, they're actually normally doing it. Okay, putting people out. Yeah. Paul, strong words, strong words. Um, appreciate your call. Paul says that anybody who loses their life in the streets as a result of what is happening now, that the government should be held responsible for their death. He uses the word murderers. I don't like that word, but certainly his view is they should be held responsible. Jackie, morning. Good morning. How are you? How are you? I was like to say. Um, I, I just text you and there. Um like that girl, I was listening to her, my heart was broken for her oh, yeah. having to be out for yeah. the 15th, yeah, because my daughter had to do that and go the homeless route, and she had to wait until she was actually without a home to go to the APS. And she was fortunate enough to get Redcliffe. She was 10 months in homeless services before she got housed. I mean, why do people have to go that route to get housed? Now, she was very lucky. She got one of the new ones in Besborough, 
There is so many units down there. They're Peter. lovely. They're beautiful. She got a beautiful duplex and she's so happy with it and the children are happy and that which is the main thing. But all around her, I often go down and mind the children when she's at work um, if they're off school or whatever. And there's, in front of her house, there's a full, full block of apartments. They're all furnished, everything, PJ. All built by the council. Yeah, well, or whoever, but they yeah, have been handed over to the, the council. council. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're all idle. There's not one person in them. Behind her, there's some still duplexes and apartments idle. They're fully furnished, turnkey condition. Nobody in them. What the hell is going on? Like, she's in her house now since last October. She was very fortunate. No, there is a bit of work to be done still, yes. But she got in and she said, you know, the work can be done. Not to worry about that. But it's the block of apartments. We have a great laugh over them, actually. I was in. I'd go over to that one then I can keep an eye on you all, you know. Because mm. I'm in private rented accommodation and I'm very fortunate. I have a fantastic landlord and all that. Like So I am very lucky, mm-hmm. you know, when I hear all these stories. But why? It beggars belief, PJ, why they're all empty. No. I know there is three families in that park where she is, in different parts of it. And they came into this country only over 12 months ago and they were housed. One in particular, the house was taken off her because of certain things I, won't, I can't no, say. Don't, on don't, air. for goodness sake. No. And she was put back in there four weeks later. Mm. You know? And it just, I, I can't believe it when I heard that they were only in the country so long. So Some people call in and they say, look, the urgency with which our new Ukrainian friends are being housed and helped. Yeah. The urgency with, and nobody begrudges it to them. But no. the urgency, if one of if one of our Ukrainian friends finds themselves having to spend a night in the airport, there's practically an emergency cabinet meeting to sort them out. Yes. Where's the emergency cabinet meeting for Maria and her daughter? Exactly. Is it, is I'm, I'm so angry about it. Like, yeah. I am so angry. Why can they not? They can see that girl. She's well able to pay her rent and everything. And if she has half her rent supplement, why can't they house her? It would be cheaper for them to house her. It's an empty house next door, for God's sake. Yeah, it would be cheaper that the, the council are getting rent from her rather than paying to have her renting. Do you get my drift? I do, of course. They're paying so much towards half a rent supplement. Why don't they give her the bloody house? They'd be making money. Yeah. Because they're not lashing out. I'm just so angry about all this because she's not... I've heard of other people as well, like, and it, oh, it just beggars belief, like, and I just... Oh, I get so angry about this. No, 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 and I don't blame it because we're hearing so much now about stuff yeah. that's built and ready to go and turnkey mm. and built for these, the council. And I mean, PJ, these are turnkey. Oh, I took, a, I took a spin down there because, yeah. Yeah, as you know, you know yourself, I have a fierce interest in anything that happens down anywhere yeah. near Besborough. Yeah, when well, my I, daughter now got her house, I was saying, oh, duplex like for children, you know? Yeah. It's huge. There's no box rooms in her house, just yeah. a three bedroom They're house. fabulous. It's huge, PJ. I would love it. Like her small fella, he's on the spectrum and he's gas character. He runs around that house like a playground, you know what I mean? Mm. He, no, she has a balcony, she doesn't have a garden, but it doesn't bother her. She has a home, she has a roof over her head and she's so happy. There you go. And and she's surrounded by similar places that are empty. Jackie, thanks. We, We seem to have a huge allocation issue emerging on today's opinion line. We know about the ones in Carrigaline, Paul did that on Virgin Media News a week or two ago. We, we've heard this morning about Man- Mandeville Place. Six one-bedroom and five two-bedroom apartments. Empty nine months after they were 
officially opened. We've got the former Lord Mayor who performed the official opening trying to find out why they've not been allocated. And now we hear from Jackie, and I know this development down near Besborough, near Besborough Road. They're fantastic. They're fantastic. And they're empty. Apart from a handful of them here and there. What is the story with flipping allocation? Can someone please tell us? With such a list of questions, if we eventually do get anybody uh, to take them from the council, I, 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 I don't see a queue out, outside the front door to get in to talk to me, um, which is a pity because I just like a conversation. I don't really want to fight with anybody. Paul on the at Spring Lane Apartments. PJ, does anybody know what are all those apartments going up in Spring Lane or Blackpool or social housing or what they are or what are them private? There's a couple of hundred of apartments up there going up. Very good question. The answer to which I do not know, Paul. But somebody might. Someone said it's good to hear the landlord side of the story. Well, uh, Morris, we, we, we just wanted to see what it's like for someone with quite a number of properties. I think Morris... Uh, I enjoyed my conversation with Morris, to be fair. Councillor Mick Nugent, APS should and do, and at times do, experience with people ahead of them having to leave, and they'll offer a month's HAP and deposit if they manage to secure a rental property. That's good, Mick, but is it for everybody? If I learn that I'm going to be homeless on the 30th of May, can I go in there and say, listen, will you help me? Uh, Nicholas was the landlord. Yeah, thanks. Nicholas, not Morris. Thank you. Appreciate that. Then it's time to get out on the streets, says May. It's time to get out on the streets and protest. The government have us all up in a heap. I needed to go for a walk this morning. I was so upset for that young girl, Maria. We need to be more like the French and fight for our rights and for our people. Well, you can agree or disagree with anything the French do, but one thing is for sure, up with this crack, they simply would not put. That's a fair point. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Yep, we're going to break away from housing and homelessness for a wee while. One or two other things to talk about for the rest of the programme this morning. Although if there's something we haven't thought of or there's a major development between now and 12 in the homing, housing or homelessness we'll come to that too 0818 96 96 and um, we had a mum onto us plagued by a child who, who won't stay in their own bed so the child goes off to sleep and starts wandering around the house in the small hours of the morning and, and, and mammy wants to know well how do I stop this from happening and as I remarked earlier on, unfortunately, duct tape and, and cable ties are not legal and could land you in, in trouble. I'm joking. We'll have to find out another way to do it. So 0818 96 96 96. Here's an idea. Give up your job. So you're a nurse at one of the most famous children's hospitals in the whole world. And you are a civil engineer. Your partner's a civil engineer. You've two good jobs in London. 
you pack it all in for six months to stay in a place with no no Wi-Fi, no hot running water, um, and you're going to be working seven days a week at times for the next six months. The job is the caretaker at the Blasket Islands where you take care of a cafe and the four little rental homes down there. And I'm speaking about Emily Campbell and Daniel Regan. Uh, Daniel's on, on the telephone and Emily joins me on the WhatsApp. Emily, you're in. You're on the island right now, so let's hope this signal holds up. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Got you great. Got you just great. So why would you give up? You're a nurse at Grant Harmon Street, West Cork originally. Why would you give up London, the hustle and bustle of London? For the Blasket Islands and and no Wi-Fi and and no no hot water for six months. I think we've gotten that question a good bit um, recently, but it's mostly just for a break from it all. We were living in a really busy part of London, and it's lots of fun, um, but also just very loud and loads of like litter and not, lo- not not a lot of nature at all um, so I think when this opportunity came up we said we'd be mad to, to miss out on it um, This, this like is the job they allocate every year and, and they have a competition for it Yeah Yeah well, it's. I think it's just quite popular the applications, but um, yeah, it seems to be something that a lot of people would go for. <laughs> Daniel, um, so you've now moved into it's a cafe, and then you live upstairs, isn't it, for the next six months? Yeah, so we're living in one of the old cottages. So um, we're, we, there's two bedrooms upstairs. So so we live live in one and then we operate the cafe in the afternoons out of the sort of the old living space um so not not a full blown uh you know um barista cafe but you know we, we do what we can with the provisions we've got what what was it your idea or emily's idea to apply for this job Actually, Emily uh, Emily was following the page. Uh, her auntie and uncle had visited a couple of times actually last year and were raving about the place, you know, the the, the beauty of it and, you know, the, all the history. Um, so when we saw the um, the application open, you know, Emily Emily was on to me and didn't take much convincing really to for us to apply. Really? Um, yeah. It, it was a bit of a long shot when we applied, but, you know, we're... We were um, shocked, you know, just to get shortlisted, to be honest. So you moved over on, was it Sunday, Emily, Sunday last, and, and you're settling yeah, in now? Yeah, we just got here on Sunday. So so go through your, your day. You're in this, like as, as, as Daniel described, this little old cottage. Downstairs is, is a cafe. Upstairs is two, is two bedrooms. And there were four little rental properties that you need to take care of. So go through your average day. Yeah, so to be honest, we, we haven't really found a routine yet. We're just taking it day by day. But we arrived on Sunday with there's a big crew of us just to come and tackle the houses because, as you can imagine, they haven't been touched all winter. And I think usually they get out for about 20 days of the of the winter to kind of do little touch-ups and keep them, keep them kind of clean and mm. um, everything. But they couldn't this year the weather was so bad I think they got out six times so there was loads to do we all scrubbed in and then um, we've they left Sunday evening which was a very surreal feeling being the only two here 
Um, and we've just been, yeah, there's just lots to kind of organize and clean everything and dust everything off. And then we've kind of just been discovering all the, we've only kind of explored about a quarter of the island, I think, with our walks. We need to do much more, but yeah, I think that it'll just be a much different pace to sure. what we're used to, but in a good way. Yeah. You, you, you're likely to be working uh, seven days a week, if particularly if we get a good summer and people can, because the, the, the day trips are very busy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a few companies that do the boat tours, so you kind of can't gauge how many people are going to come out every day. But it's lovely to be able to share it. And, you know, even when we're walking around and it's just the two of us, we're like, God, yeah, it, it would be amazing to get, you know, as many people to come and see it. And it's so beautiful out here. Like, it's really, it's magical. Like, I know everybody probably say that, but it wasn't until we got here that we realised just how beautiful it is. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I've seen some so of the pictures on your Instagram and there's a lovely website as well that you can look all this stuff up. Like, it is a beautiful, beautiful place and yeah, I can imagine what it must be incredible. like in a, on a warm June or July day. You won't know yourselves, but yeah. God almighty. We can like, only imagine that at what's the moment. It, yeah, what's it like now? I mean, <laughs> what's it like now? It's uh, quite chilly, yeah. We've just been lighting the fires in all the cottages to kind of heat them up because it's been, it is, it's very cold. We have three hot water bottles in the bed at night, but it's grand actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm well used to it. <laughs> and yeah, like there's no, there's no heating other than turf fires, correct? Yeah, yeah, just the coal stoves. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's no Wi-Fi. Although no. there is a decent phone signal. We have the phone signal. reception, yeah, that's all right, signal. actually. Yeah, it's probably bet you. too decent. We, can't, <laughs> we have no excuse. There's no hot showers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's one thing that I think would make it challenging for people. And I'd say that's kind of a reason maybe people don't stay for longer than a couple of days, really, because it's, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> it really, it, I think, though, like, you get a sense of being here, what it would have been like, like, 200 years ago. You have that kind of feel of it. Mm. It's really, it's lovely, and it's like nothing I've ever experienced. You you, you would have, was, was Peg still on the curriculum when you were going to school? No, actually, I didn't study. I'm reading it at the moment. I'm reading right. her book, but I didn't study it. I see. And Daniel, you'd, funny, you'd, you'd never have heard of Peg Sayers, let alone read the book, Daniel. <laughs> That's it. Not, I mean, not until hearing uh, hearing about the island, but no, I mean, we, we got a chance to visit the Basket Centre um, before we came out. That was on Saturday. We went, uh, we had a beautiful day for it. And yeah, it was amazing just learning how the islanders used to live and about Peg. Mm. You're, a, you're an Oxford man, aren't you? No, no, I'm. Uh, I grew up in North London. North London. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you you wouldn't have been too familiar then as a child with with wilds like this, would you? No, definitely not. I, I grew up in suburbia, so um, I, I've I've been a, a city boy. But um, I I definitely notice, you know, when going on holidays, being in nature, you know, I definitely get a feel for it, and you know, really feel like I can relax. So it's beautiful being here. We've only been here a few days, but we, we feel um, relaxed already, which yeah. is great. That's Yeah, there is that kind of chill-out thing. And Emily, you're originally from West Cork. What part? I'm from Bandon. Okay, okay. So you, you'd, have, you'd have only been a stone's throw from the country uh, gr- growing yeah, up. Yeah, I'd kind of be used to the beach and stuff, but this is... Um, it's a whole <laughs> new world. Different. And we actually, we haven't gotten down onto the beach yet because there's... I'd say almost a thousand seals down there. Really? We don't want to frighten them. So, yeah, oh. it's amazing. There's 
a massive um, grey seal colony. Okay. Um, so we're just we're actually standing looking at it out our window now, and there's sheep with their lambs, and it's all very. Oh picturesque. my! <laughs> yeah, and if it wasn't so freezing cold, you could be out looking at them. <laughs> yeah, your Instagram. Just let 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 us remind people what your Instagram is, guys, so we can follow your adventure. So the Great Blasket Island has its own Instagram page as well, which we'll be running, and then for ourselves, just like just to keep on everyone up to date we've got great great blasket caretakers that's great. just kind fantastic. of fantastic great basket yeah. caretakers when do the first <laughs> guests arrive for the for the cottages do you know um i think it's completely dependent on the swell we were due to have people last weekend but we just couldn't because there's no guarantee of getting back um yeah. so hopefully we'll have some guests on thursday right. um but yeah and i think friday's looking good for swell anyway so we'll definitely hopefully have some day visitors and just yeah, like yeah a, we can kind of only take it day by day it's the thing, like <laughs> if the weather turns nasty you better make sure you have got bread and butter and, and a few things like that and maybe even shh, shh, maybe a bottle of wine you know what I mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've um, we've got loads of tins and a big bottle of whiskey we're all right <laughs> I wish you luck with it I really do it's it's it, it's kind of a dream um, for, for you both and Daniel and Emily who have taken over as the caretakers of the great Blasket Island for the summer of 2023. I think a lot of people would be very jealous of it. Um, good luck to you both. Good luck to you both. We might catch Thank up again. Thank you so much. And we might catch up when it gets really busy. Maybe, maybe if it, we've got some nice hot weather in, in June or July and we could catch up with you and you could tell us how frazzled you are and how you want to get back to yeah. London. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Cheers, lads. Take care. Bye-bye. Emily and Daniel. It is kind of a dream job, although I must say I'd prefer to do it on, on a, on, in a hotter part of the world, but well, there you go. 0818 96 96 96. Great Blasket Caretakers is their Instagram, and the Great Blasket has its own website and Instagrams and Facebook and Fabulous Photos. Imagine that though this morning. You could, they're looking out the window at a thousand or so grey seals on the beach below. Whatever they do, what do grey seals do on beaches at this time of the year? Are they breeding or what are they doing? Forgive me, I'm not very much up to speed on the life cycle of the grey seal. Um, and there's sheep with their lambs, and it sounds idyllic, doesn't it? Also, sounds flipping freezing. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on housing. PJ, we need to stand together and get the government out. Every doctor, nurse, and teacher, everyone needs to down tools and get out on the streets. Michal Martin and Leo need to realise we as the people of Ireland don't want them in government anymore and we're sick of them. We never voted them in in the first place. But again, they took that decision out of people's hands. They're a joke. Eamon Ryan will ruin this country with all his rules and regulations. We need to get them out. Well, they were, to be fair now, let's put a bit of balance in here, they were elected by the people in that they were the parties who were able to get the numbers together to form a government. And that's all that's required to be done. But I do I do take take your point. A lot of people, a lot of anger out there. A lot of anger. Reading opinion polls of late, though, the only thing I would say to you is if we did toss them all out in the streets tomorrow and force them to run for election and, and all of that, I think numerically we'd probably end up with a bigger mess than we already have. And remember... 
come the next election, assuming it runs to 24 or 25, late 24 or early 25, I think by the 7th or 8th February 2025, that's the latest date at which we can go to the polls, there's going to be something like 177 or 178 seats in the Dáil. So there'll be even more of them. Even more. PJ, can we, we should be more like the French. Do you know what the French call us Irish? They call us the sheep of Europe, says Paul. I don't, I've never heard any Frenchman call us that, but certainly when the French go up with this, we will not put, they don't put up with it. Have you seen the state of the, I don't know if it's been cleaned up, I don't think it has. Have you seen the state of the streets of Paris right now? Um, because there's a row and part of that row is they're not collecting the bins. And this place is stinking. And as it gets warmer, it's going to get even stinkier. And it's all, I think it's all to do with this um, pension age crack, where the pension age in France, I nearly, my eyes nearly jumped out on stalks when I saw it. The pension age in France was 62. And President Macron wants to make it 64, which is still a hell of a lot younger than, than a lot of places. And up with this, we will not put. And France, France nearly drove to us down. Shiona, do you know what the friend, my friend, fr- French friend asks, says Shiona. Are we all dead over here? That's how they see us as fools. We employ the government, not the other way around. <laughs> Ooh la la. I know my friend Ger in Mallow, who loves all things French, will be right, Francophile, probably agrees with you all. We did it, though. Remember the tax... The tax marches in the 80s. And if you piss off the farmers, they will come out in large numbers. You'd wonder, though, could we, would we ever get together as a people? I'm not saying I'd endorse it or push it. Would we ever get together as a people and actually stop the place like the French do? Chris, uh, in all seriousness, we're a laughing stock. Other countries who know what's going on here must be thinking, what the hell are them clowns doing? Craggy Island... They must over. Oh, they're calling it Craggy Island, and they're laughing at us. Change needs to happen, and fast. Okay. See, the other problem you have, and everyone is saying, "Oh, we need an election. We need to get this government out." Let me throw this little gem out for you. The trouble is, some of the people, a lot of the people, I would contend, that are loudest in their criticism of the government, if they were handed an election tomorrow, wouldn't vote. And there's a problem. Elections are won by those who turn up. And I've been saying this since I was old enough to understand how to vote myself. I've always maintained voting should be compulsory. And that if you don't vote, you there are parts of the world where you can be fined if you don't vote. I'm going down all sorts of different roads here. Yeah. It's Cluid Housing on Spring Lane. Thank you. That was that was Paul, was it? Let's remind ourselves again. Hey, does anybody know whether all those apartments going up on Spring Lane and Blackpool are social housing or what they are or what are them private? There's a couple of hundred of apartments up there going up. Cluid. That's Cluid. That's one of the, the uh, approved housing bodies. Thank you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns this May. And Friday 26th is Jersey Day.
You make me feel Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates And wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services See 96fm.ie for more 96fm.ie for more The Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to 27th You make you make me feel Only on Cork's 96fm Today we... We were looking for youngest nanas and granddads, and we found a 33-year-old nana. I know, 33-year-old. Now, she's, it was a few years ago, she's in her 40s now, but a 33-year-old nana. And we didn't think we'd, we'd beat that. Now, Ray, you were, you were a great aunt at the age of... Oh, she's gone, let's... She's gone. See if we can get her back there. She was on. She was on four. I'll just drop it for you there. Just continue with some of our. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I have been following this. I haven't said anything about it because I don't think. I don't know what to say about it. But Owen O'Brien tweeted this artwork over the weekend, um, as you know, and got himself into a bit of hot water about it. He has since, I think, spoken to the Association of Gather Sergeants and Inspectors and he has now apologised for his tweet. John O'Donovan says, I wish people wouldn't apologise quite so easily. It was a piece of art, not a statement of fact. It was echoing some incidents we've seen in Irish society in recent times. I think he should have refused to apologise, says John. Thanks, John. She's back. Thanks, lads, on four. Ray. Hi. You're a great aunt. I am. Yeah, to a beautiful little boy named Eli. Yeah, I'm 42, okay. and my sister is 41. She's the nan. So Nana's 41. Um, now, she, would you, what is she doing at the moment? She is currently training and um, prepping for her next competition. And so, yeah, she's a bodybuilder. She's a bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah, she represents Ireland in different federations, has been doing for the last 10 years. Right. So yeah. Nana, Nana the bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> where, where's the next competition she's headed for? Um, I'm not quite sure, actually, because there's so many, but it would be normally Birmingham, England, sometimes Spain, Portugal, those kind of places. But, like, she's she's got more trophies than I can... She, she'd need to open up another shop just to display the trophies. It's crazy. And she's self-employed as a hairdresser, so, like, all of her stuff is in there on display. It's great. So the bodybuilding, hairdressing, globe-trotting Nana, aged 41. yeah. yeah. And Eli, Eli is the grandson. Yeah, he was born an hour before my mum's sister passed away and her name was Elizabeth, so they named her, they named him Eli after her. There's always explanations for names like that. Yeah, yeah, it was lovely because they didn't have a name at all until that happened and then they were like, this makes sense. So everything for a reason. Am I led to believe that you are packing bags yourself? (laughs) I am. I am heading to Dubai. Oh. So it's available with my friends, Rachel, and yeah. I was just going to say that business or pleasure? Oh, no, absolute pleasure. Um, it's one of those things on your bucket list that, you know, life gets in the way and you get married, you have kids, you get divorced. <laughs> and then your kids are of an age where they go up to their dad and you're like, no, nope, COVID is over, off to Dubai. Off to so. Dubai. Yeah, my brother and my sister were both there earlier this year as, as part of a trip and they said like the five days never passed so fast they've never yeah. seen so much and done so much in five days I think they're still recovering actually yeah 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 well thankfully um, Rachel's sister lives there so we have somebody to help us get around and make the most of our eight days there so it's going to be fantastic what's the yeah. weather like 
I believe it's in the late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, take, so I'm going to take nice. that, couldn't we? We could take <laughs> Look, that. sunshine is is good for the soul. So, you know, it's not just uh, about getting a tan. For, you know, no, it is. It's, it's, good. it's good, for the to- good for the soul, good for the bones, good for everything. Yeah, good for everything. You enjoy. You enjoy. Thank you so much. Take care. Shout out to Denise again. Cheer. That's, yes, Bye. Denise. That's Ray, um, sister of... Uh, 41-year-old bodybuilding, globe-trotting, hairdressing Nana Denise. Uh, representing Ireland, of course, she is. And uh, the little grandson or her grandniece, grandnephew, Eli. And Ray is making us all jealous by packing for Dubai at the moment. Yeah. 0818-96-96-96. Joe, Joseph, have you ever been to Dubai, sir? Morning. Good morning, PJ. I have not. I'd love to go there. <laughs> I know. Sneak into someone's suitcase. You're at it again, Joe Byrne. What are you at? You're collecting for Easter. We're doing our Easter egg collection as usual, um, PJ, and our arts and crafts stuff for kids from um, Coonley, Edel House, Penny Dinners, Good Shepherds, and a school contacted me recently to know could I give them a hand as well. They're kind of from families in a bit of trouble. So we did that, dropped off loads of Easter eggs. And they're coming in wholesale, lying in the door. Absolutely, PJ, it's amazing. I, so call, I called out to you a few Easter's ago, actually, out to the salon, those Joseph Hare salon, Lashin Road. Couldn't get in the door for Easter eggs. Yeah, unbelievable. With customers and Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and people are just giving up, like, you know, companies and social clubs and all that. Now, one guy dropped me in 400 euros on Friday. So I sent that over to the book station. And we got all after and craft things as well. You know, because that would be great now for the, the holidays to keep the kids occupied and stuff, especially in centres like that, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. You've been doing this for a number of years now. Years, PJ. I sure started off with a few selection boxes about 10 years ago, Christmas, and now every, every occasion we do something and it's taken off. I don't even have to ask for stuff now. People just drop them in. They come to the car, you doing this again, this Easter, Joe, and just drop them in. It's amazing, PJ. I just love it. And your listeners are amazing, my customers and everybody. Yeah. And yourself. Awesome. Well, you, you've, you've said to me before, you, you do it because you can. Do because I can. It's so easy. I have the audience. All I do is do the waffling away on and people just reply to me. People have great trust in me too, PJ. And if you give me something, it goes. It literally goes to a family, a child. Even wearing penny dinners or they were coughing in with bags of stuff and there's a few lads outside and girls and we get them all in Easter egg while they're queuing up for Katrina. Should have a thrill to bits. Of course they were. Of course they were. Coonley, Adele House, Penny Dinners, Good Shepherds uh, benefiting. And the arts and crafts is a lovely idea. It is, because we're picking up now again another 400 stuff in in book station because they give us a bit extra then when we drop in so much money. But that's going to keep the kids occupied and help the mums. We've been in these centres, PJ. We know what it's like. We've seen the kids, you know what I mean? See, you know, up front, we've seen what kids are like and what the mothers are like and what they go through. So, you know, even in the little day room now, we bring in a scented candle. Small thing, we brought in a lamp the other day now to, to a centre. They had no lamp inside the day room and it was, they were thrilled with it, the facilitators, you know what I mean? Do you so still do the few hairdos as well for the people? Oh, yeah, we do that all year round, PJ, yeah. What I've done now, rather than having a big day, just they'd contact and say, Joe, we have X, Y, and Z, would you look out? And so, of course we would. And then, see, they can mingle with the rest of the customers and nobody knows the situation. And I'm not the big guy, and then having a big day, and, you know, it's more private, and it's nice that way, I think. You're an awful devil, you see. You always play it down, but, Joe, you are the big I am because you do this. Yourself and Darren do this every year, and it's oh, fantastic. We're like Easter bunnies at the moment, <laughs> 
But you know, it must break your heart too, Joe, because over the years since you started doing it, you know, you're doing what you're doing, but the situation, the people you're trying to help, it's just getting worse, isn't it, mate? BJ, I'll just tell you now, quick story. One of the facilities, I won't say the place now, said that it's getting worse. We're capacity full. And there's a little kid outside in the hall. He shouldn't have been there. And she said the name of the kid. And Damas went out and said, he's the one, he came early. He said, you're to get an Easter egg. When his face lit up, can I have one for my sister? And then the sister went down to pick his. But you cannot believe that these little kids have witnessed and seen violence already in their lives. Yeah, and they're in this place that have nuts and bolts, and the place doors are locked, and the security. Yeah, you know, and he used to see those say, Oh my God! I can remember I sat in the car. I said, I had a great feeling of we did something good, but a horrible feeling down in my stomach of how sad is that? You know? Yeah. And I yeah, angrily, as I said, I didn't want you know. I watched your name. And I said my name. I didn't want to be afraid of men or whatever the, the situation was for them. That everyone isn't bad. You know, you're trying to make them feel. Of course. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, and that's where the acting class come in as well. Peter. That'll be stopped now for the the two weeks over the Easter, especially in our weather. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, listen. You keep doing what you do and do it so well yourself and Darren. Give give Darren my best, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. I will, of course, be there, and thanks for the call very much, and happy Easter to everybody. Take care, happy Easter. That's uh, Joe, Joseph Byrne from Joseph Hare Stallone in, uh, in Glasheen. Yeah. Local hero, uh, if ever there was one. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. Cork music from the likes of Kean Ducrow and Lyra and hits from Pink, Ed Sheeran and Harry Styles and loads more from 12. Join me here at Cork's 96 FM. Coming up to that time of year again when they start selecting roses for Dahi in August. And I can't believe they're starting it already today in, in the Metropole. Heather, morning. Hi PJ, how are you? How are you? It all starts for the Cork Rose of 2023. Yeah, so we officially kicked off our search on um, the 25th of March. So we're hosting our Cork Rose selection on May 19th and 20th in the Metropole Hotel in Cork City. So we're excited to get going. A two-nighter. It's a two-nighter because we're the biggest centre in the world, which is um, a lot of people find hard. Yeah, yeah, so we get the most participants entrance um, to take part of all the centres um, around the globe internationally and nationally within Ireland That's amazing so, um, That's a, I never yeah, knew so that I and I was involved with the Cork selection for a few years I mean, It's amazing Yeah, yeah, we get the most uh, wanting to be the Rebel Rose so uh, which is understandable who wouldn't want to be so. Indeed. Yeah. When was the last time we had a Cork winner? So the last Cork Rose was Geraldine O'Grady, um, and that was in 1999. So yeah. it's it's been a while We're since overdue. we've taken, um, taken the sash home. Yeah, exactly. So it's about time it came back to us. So who gets involved, Heather? So we're very lucky. I think really, I, I think Cork is one of the kind of special places. Like we have a lot of local businesses which support the Rose because it's it's a long year. It's not just up until Tralee, which is... Um, August 18th to the 22nd this year now. It's it's not just that, but after that, you know, you still remain the Cork Rose, whether or not you become the Rose of Tralee. 
So um, the local businesses support. We have boutiques, salons, um, hotels all come on board and sponsor the rose for the year. Um, but in the lead up to the cork selection, then every entrant has a sponsor who who sponsors her kind of participation in the selection and the events that we run here in the Cork Rose Centre. So it's um it's a jam packed couple of weeks, but um I took part myself and um our committee, a lot of our uh, for, were former participants as well, and it's just the most enjoyable experience. Yeah, people always kind of look at the Cork Rose or the Rosa Tralee itself, and they wonder how is it still surviving in in yeah. in in a very different world than to when the original. Mary the Rosa Tralee might have been selected. Like, but, but how is it surviving, Heather? What is its unique selling point that makes people want to come back and do it again? I think for me, it's, you know, people say that it is outdated. I think if you were to speak to those that are directly involved in the festival, um, be it centres like myself or volunteers in Tralee, you know, it's just unique in a sense that it's it's really a celebration of Irish heritage and what it is to be Irish. And then to be a woman as well and a a women empowerment and in a world where we're all talking about DEI and encouraging and equality and everything this is the ultimate chance for you for that person that's representing her um, county or her area to stand up there and say yeah this is what I do and this is how Mm. great I am and why not why not celebrate an opportunity to do that you know in a world where we kind of look upon things like Miss World and Miss Universe and all those Mm. and they are sort of now somehow frowned upon the yeah. the Rosa Tralee seems to grow. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I think it's it's a it's a celebration of accomplishments. You know, we're not it's not a pageant, um, it's not a competition. We you know the we never say winner when someone is chosen, it's always ambassador or representative of the girls that took part. So you're never kind of competing against one another. Um, well, there is know, a, there is a title get... award at the end of it, Heather, I suppose. There is a title, yeah. But I think that they'd, even the girl who's, who is chosen as Rosa Tralee wouldn't say winner. I think it would say, you know, ambassador. And that's because we don't want it to be that sense of, mm. you know, stepping over one another, any rootlessness involved. Yeah. Watching it on the telly, as, as I do, as I Apart from the fact that I enjoy Dahi, I think he does a super job, and and some of the some of the roses are great yeah. fun too. But you you get the negativity that comes out on social media, but yet you have people queuing up the world over. Anytime there's a competition announced, they're queuing up to get the opportunity. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's still going and it's stronger than ever. And um, you know, we came back last year after two year hiatus with COVID, and you know, there's always nerves when you were had that slight break and. It was as busy and as wanted as ever. So you keep going. And mm. I'm delighted to say it as well, to see it keep going as well, because I enjoyed it. I made many friends out of it. Yeah. Um, it's a major confidence builder as well. And amazing skills are learned from it. So yeah. I would always encourage anyone that wants to apply to, you know, you can apply directly through rosatrulli.ie. Um, and you can select the county you want to represent, obviously represent Cork, of course. Um, and come to us and we'll welcome you here with open arms. And a friend who was involved in the selection a number of years ago wasn't successful in going forward to represent Cork at the, at the overall, but would tell me that like around the same time as the festival itself is on in Kerry, would always meet up with the great friends that she made back that, that few years ago. There are lifelong friendships are formed out of this. Lifelong. I was. I met a girl through it when I um, took part in 2015, and I was her bridesmaid last year. Right. Um. 
you know, so like I wouldn't have met her only through this. Mm. Um, and I think like we have, we organize events post the Cork Row selection for the girls that take part. And um, the amount of girls that who do take part and end up going to Tralee to support the rows that was chosen mm. is phenomenal every year. They're renting houses. There's still girls that go there from prior years, mm. from years that I took part. Um, you know, so I think you want to maintain that sense of friendship that comes out of it and a great sense of cheering each other on. Yeah, yeah, there was a former Rose, Carol Anthony, and I was the host of the Cork final the year that Carol went forward, and we were friends to this day, you know. So yeah. you do you do form friendships, and it does, they do stay with you. So how does anybody who wants to get involved and get maybe get their place in the finals in May, for the Cork finals in May, how do they start? So the first step is to go to uh, roseofchalee.ie, and from there, there will be an icon that says apply to be a rose. Um, the application form is there. It's €250 Euro to enter, but that's provided by a sponsor that you can select, usually from the local area. Mm. Um, and then you select the area that you want to represent because obviously we're an international festival. Um, in there, you can choose Cork. And we'll be delighted to see you. We're also having an information evening. So if there's girls there that are listening that are unsure whether or not to, to apply, Come along on the 14th of April to the Metropole Hotel at 6pm and we'll give you all the information that you need in regards uh, what it's like to be part of the process and the selection. Do you still have to be single and not have any children? No, not anymore. They've changed all those rules. So um, it's once you're 18 or over, um, identify as a female, um, you can have children and you can be married. So yeah, they changed all those a couple of years ago. I think, like you said, to bring it more up-to-date and modern to what it is. So, by what you just said, a trans woman could enter, yeah? Yes, absolutely. Okay, it's a very broad canvas. As long as you identify as a female, you are absolutely more than welcome to apply. It's a a very broad canvas. Heather, thank you. And uh, we'd talk again maybe before the the final selection in May. The selection process is on for the 2023 Cork Rose. There's something I didn't know. Um, And... I'm kind of blown away by it. The Cork selection process is the biggest in the world. Now, you wouldn't have known that, would you? Because I certainly didn't. Uh, we used to do one at a Carrigaline for a couple of years. We used to send a Carrigaline rose forward to the Cork rose. And uh, the Lions Club used to make a big night out of it. And we had a night in the Carrigaline Court Hotel, many's the year, uh, for to send the Carrigaline rose forward. And what great nights they were. What marvellous nights they were. 0818 96 96 96. What about the oldest grandchild? I know someone who's 42 and has three grandparents still alive and kicking. Wow. Their, their, their kids have three great-grandparents and the eldest is 13. That's from from Rachel. Thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. I noticed on the papers this morning it was in the sun, which I don't have to hand, but here's the article. The bookies will know soon because they've told us that by the end of May, by the time Ryan Tuberty stands down, Crossy was still pushing, um, oh, what's the name of the Angela Scanlon, uh, when I was talking to him last, but it seems now that it's Claire Bourne's to turn down to be the next host of The Late Late Show. She is hosting this Ireland's smartest thing on a Sunday night and she's probably the best part of it. It wasn't great. To be honest, it wasn't great at all. But she is seen now as 
it's being hers to turn down uh, the late late show uh, Claire Bourne the bookies the Irish Sun saying today the bookies have stopped taking bets uh, a lot of disappointed that, that people wanted um, Baz to be considered or Brendan O'Connor our own Brendan O'Connor and some people wanted a duo and look no decision has been announced as yet but it does appear that the bookies are no longer taking bets on on Claiborne to be the next host of the Late Late Show 0818-969696 I have pages and pages of stuff on housing and homelessness which I've no doubt we can come back to now we don't normally do these Cloda so um, but it's it's the name of the cat a missing cat um, the, the, the cat is called Leo Varad cat like what yeah. were ye thinking <laughs> it's just a tradition that we have whenever we get a new pet that basically whatever's on the TV usually a politician or somebody famous and we give them their name or some variation of it right and it just so happens when we brought Leo home Leo Varadkar was on the TV for whatever reason and it just his name just fits bad cat <laughs> yeah he doesn't look very like him I'm sure that's not important <laughs> he's gorgeous actually I mean the cat not 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 <laughs> describe him for people who can't see the picture um, he's a long haired pale ginger cat very fluffy and he's just a very nice cat and he's sorely sorely missed we're getting very, very worried now. It's been a few days. Mm. And his best friend, or one of our other cats, Bertie Ahern, is missing him. What? Bertie Ahern? Yes. You have a cat called Leah Varadkar and a cat called Bertie Ahern? Yes. Okay. What else <laughs> do you have in that little zoo of yours? You have a... <laughs> we have two other cats and a dog. Okay. What's the dog's name? It's in Decreton. You have a dog called Lucinda Creighton. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? Her name doesn't get mentioned very much anymore, so at least, you know. Um, and then there's Rosie. Yes, we found her when we were in Kerry for a holiday, and it was during the week of the Rose Chile. See. And Grace Kelly. Yes. It was, I think, High Society or some documentary on Grace Kelly when we brought her home. Right. Leo was a rescue cat. He was picked up in the Garda station. Maybe a yeah. bit like the real thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but but he was picked up at what happened? Where did he arrive from? Uh, Mayfield's Garda station. He was picked up by a rescue. I'm not sure which one. And he had very, very bad eye infections. He was very skinny. He was not in a good way at all. But he was nursed back to health and then he came to us. And he's just... We miss him. Yeah. So where was he last seen? On Saturday morning, very early in the morning, at home. He usually wakes up at around five o'clock in the morning and wants a bit of a feed. He'll be very Again, very like the real thing, I'm told. <laughs> yeah, we, we're not entirely sure, but um, there was a possible sighting yesterday morning across the way in, in, in a sky review. It was the cat that matched his description and matched his collar right so we're hoping Hopefully. that was him because yeah. we've had a few calls about 
a cat being knocked down on the road and it seems the council's already moved the body. Right. So we're not entirely sure if that's him, but we're hopefully, hoping, hoping hope, it's not Hopefully him. not. Hopefully not. Um, and it, we, we will put a picture of, of Leo Veretkat on our Twitter uh, now and you're asking people down around Inniscarra and Balancholy maybe check sheds check outhouses yeah. check garages and will he come to his name? Sometimes he does he usually comes to the normal way that you call a cat you know yeah but he's very very curious that's why we think he could have been locked in a shed he's okay. very not the brightest sometimes <laughs> like to get into situations not the brightest and gets himself into awkward situations. Do you know what? The more the more I hear <laughs> Claude, if if anybody knows where Leo Varad Cat is, maybe they can help uh, Claude. Naming cats after politicians for the love of God, PJ. Andrew says, Isn't there too much pussy footing around already in the doll? Badum Tish. Not. Thanks, Andrew. Um yeah. There's loads of stuff on, on housing, but come back to where we started this morning, which was internet addiction. I hate phones, says this one. Uh, I, I leave my phone at home if I'm going shopping for a break and so I can spend time with my daughter without interruptions. You see it at the park or the beach where parents are scrolling on their phones, small children wandering around, forgotten. It's not safe. Remember when WhatsApp and Facebook went down for a few hours, people were rattling with withdrawal. Do you have a mad, crazy name for your cat or indeed your partner, but your cat or your dog, any other pet at all? Do let us know. Drop us a text to WhatsApp to 083 396 96 96. That is it for today. Programme edited by Imara Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And I'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Corks 96 FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.